Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I hope you had a great past couple weeks. I hope you had a good Veterans Day. And with this, this is going to be coming out right before Thanksgiving. So I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you have a lot to be thankful for. So with that, let's go ahead and start getting the house rules in order. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. That is the best way way for you to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. Also, if you can, leave us a review. It is the best way for other people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast subscriber. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out our social media. We are fucking everywhere now. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MeWe, Parlor, uh, all under 2A Lifestyle. Everything except for Instagram, we are the number 2A Lifestyle. On uh, Instagram, we are 2 spelled out T-W-O-A Lifestyle. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. Also, go ahead and check out our Patreon account. It is the best way to support the show if you're looking to support us. Uh, basically, what Patreon is, is if you're looking to uh, help us you can give us as little as one dollar a month and anything that you guys give us goes straight into this podcast it goes to pay for the platform that we um you know publish our podcast on it is the way we also buy equipment uh it is the way for us to go and do things to give you guys good content and to stay up to date well like for example when shot show comes back out uh that you know was well, going to help us to pay for shot show uh, also it is going to help us to just help make this guy you know better for you guys so help us out on patreon check it out to a lifestyle podcast also, go ahead and check out our website, 2alifestyle.com. If you are not following us on social media, that is the other best way to keep up with us in especially articles that we're writing now. We're going to be uh, publishing an article. Uh, should already come out by the time this episode comes out, so uh, check that out. It is uh, good shit. It's good perspective, in my opinion, on what's going on in the gun community. And with that, let's go ahead and start getting into our podcast, uh, the main segment. I had a great friend of mine, Ron. Uh, he was amazing. He's an awesome dude. Uh, he's got a voice for radio. So I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy this episode and the conversation we had with Ron. So let's go ahead and start getting that in to your ears. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's go ahead and start getting into the podcast. I have my good friend here, Ron. Uh, Ron is a man of many hats, as I've seen. He started with a Arkansas Razorbacks hat, and now he has the uh, Woodland Camo Booney hat that you're probably never allowed to wear in the Army. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? Uh, there was one uh, field training exercise that we had. Uh, I was I was Arkansas Army, Army Guard, right? So there was one FTX that we had that, that we were allowed to wear them, but that was it, man. You must have had that fucking cool officer that finally you have it uh yeah he was an rotc dude so he was just like yeah whatever it's probably because he didn't know any better he hadn't been indoctrinated yet by the other pricks exactly <laughs> yeah, so ron let's go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience okay so uh yeah jack of all master of none obviously uh so yeah, i'm from arkansas originally i moved out to colorado in 2006 i got married in 2005 and uh yeah i was obviously enlisted for a very brief amount of time and my enlistment was absolutely nothing to brag about in fact 
it was probably the opposite. I have more regrets than I do anything else, but uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, moving forward though, man, uh, you know, can't, can't keep your eyes uh, behind you. You got to you know keep pressing forward. Uh, around the, the 2010 to 2012 time period, I started getting back into firearms a little bit more. I grew up with firearms. I grew up hunting. Yeah. You know, in fact, all of my family right now is doing that very thing in the natural nope. state. And so unfortunately, I don't believe I'm going to get a chance to go hunting this year, but you know, I grew up doing that. Whitetail hunting, especially that was my favorite duck hunting, all that good stuff. And yeah, uh, 2012, I started getting back into to firearms outside of hunting. And yeah, man, uh, I jumped in headfirst into the deep end of the pool, started getting instructor certs very uh, soon on. And now I instruct uh, for a, a couple of friends of mine, just, just more or less as a hobby. For a while, I was the chief firearms instructor with Red Leg Tactical in Colorado Springs. Uh, I managed an FFL briefly as well. Uh, some, some of my friends with Springs Armory here in Colorado Springs. Uh, my primary job is in aviation, aviation safety, security, all that good stuff. I work for an airline. And about 18, 19 months ago, I helped start a nonprofit that's dedicated to making the NRA what it's supposed to be. So yeah, I do a lot. And uh, <laughs> you know, right now, this this week, this starts uh, kind of like my vacation. I've got eight days off. So holy smokes, I'm on cloud nine. I did little to nothing this morning. And I'm just so happy to be with you, Nick. <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, you know, you and I first hooked up uh, because of your uh, meme page that you had. Uh, yeah. You're still running a little bit, even though you got the Zuck on your personal pages. Yeah. Uh, so what? What's uh, tell us about what your meme page is, and uh, you still pretty active on it? Oh man, you know I'm I'm becoming less and less active because I I just fear that it's all going to come to a crashing end, and and that just hurts. But uh, when I was the chief firearms instructor with Red Leg Tactical, I assumed the responsibilities of the Facebook page, and uh, yeah, I guess that was 2017, 2018. So I, I became a meme lord, if you would call it that, you know, during that time period. And uh, yeah, uh, Red Leg Tactical, it's now Red Leg Shooting, and I think that's pretty much on its way out. At one point, we had uh, I want to say 50,000 Facebook followers. Uh, in early 2018, I started doing other pages. Uh, I think one of the ones that became uh, the most popular was the at-home FFL that doesn't have an FFL yet. So that, that's a mouthful, right? But it's kind of a joke, right? There's a lot of guys that, that have kitchen room table federal firearms licenses. And so yeah, I've, I've gone back and forth on wanting one uh, in an FFL. And so I, I don't have it yet. So <laughs> I'm the yeah. at-home FFL that doesn't have an FFL yet. Yeah, my, my main Facebook page randomly got disabled a couple of months ago. Uh, I, I can't figure out why there's no real rhyme or reason. I mean, sure, if you look back, you know, a couple of years ago, a few of the uh, the memes that I would post would be borderline R-rated, like very inappropriate humor occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally. And yeah, I guess in, in 2020, I backed off of that completely and, and had been doing like G-rated and PG-rated memes and obviously sharing a lot from you, you know, Mr. 2A lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, you have so many good memes. But yeah, now I'm, I'm just I'm hesitant to really do anything with it because yeah, it, it seems like my new accounts on Facebook could easily get disabled as a result. I gotcha. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your organization to try and restore the NRA. Hey, absolutely, man. And you know, you've been following us since the beginning. Hey, you were one of the ones that, that started uh, the whole process with us. Uh, we started off as a, a Facebook page called NRA Members for Accountability. And that was just following the NRA annual meeting in Indianapolis of 2018. That was the, the annual meeting where we saw Oliver North, who was the, the president of the NRA at that time. He abdicated. He stepped down as president, even though he's still on the board directors. And oh man, it just, it, everything started to come to a head right in. There had been a lot of things that, that the NRA, main NRA, if you will call them that, they, they did that really hurt instructors. Uh, and the largest of that was carry guard. Yeah, carry guard was an absolute dumpster fire from the get-go. And, and the NRA, in fact, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but the NRA is still reeling.
pulling from the poor decisions that they have made. And yeah, so obviously as members, I don't want to see the NRA fall. I want the NRA to, to stop, you know, uh, negotiating away our rights. Yeah. Uh, as, as a lot of folks will call the NRA, NRA, you know, negotiating rights away. So I, I want the NRA to be strong, relevant, effective, and accountable like most members. I mean, I don't think there's a member of the NRA or any, any gun owning American in you know the United States that would say, well, I, I just, I really don't think the NRA should ever do anything good. I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. We need the, the NRA to do everything good. So that's, that's where we started off with. We quickly realized when we started the Facebook group that, yeah, we were going to need financial backing for a website or, you know, activities, going places, materials, all that stuff. So we started the nonprofit and we couldn't just call it NRA members for accountability as a nonprofit because the NRA would sue our socks off because, and that's what they've done in the past, by the way, they've sued people that even, even remotely use their likeness of the NRA you know, logo and all that good stuff. So we had to figure out something and, you know, a different name. And ultimately our goal is to save the second. And I think we, we, we can all believe that the, the best means of saving the second amendment is by having a good, strong, relevant, and effective NRA. Absolutely. And I've said it before and uh, actually got an article I'm going to be posting today, Sunday, uh, that, um, you know, the NRA, even in its current shape right now, is still the largest second amendment organization, second amendment advocacy organization that's out there. And it's partly because that it literally does everything under the sun when it comes to the second amendment. It's uh, training, education, uh, lobbying, I mean, just everything out there. And, uh, you know, because of that, you know, they still are, they're, they're bigger than GOA, they're bigger than FPC, FPF, SFA, I mean, all that, or SAF, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they still have the largest lobbying organization uh, under the ILA, uh, which I'm kind of surprised that more organizations like, especially the GOA, or maybe even the FPC, because the FPC really picked up some steam with the uh, kind of the weakening and the and the downslide of the NRA. That they didn't pick up a, a lobbying arm, or the GOA it does have a lobbying arm, but they you know really don't have a whole lot of money or um, organization into it. And I'm surprised that they didn't do that. So because of that, the NRA is still the largest Second Amendment advocacy organization, and we really need it to be stronger now more than ever. Uh, because you know whether we like it or not, the NRA lobbying organization, the ILA, really did help protect our Second Amendment rights during the Obama administration. And that's, you know, when they gained so many of their members through the Obama administration. And yes. since Trump was elected, uh, they have, you know, their their numbers have slumped. Uh, the Trump slump didn't only, you know, affect the farms manufacturer organizations, you know, the companies out there. It affected the NRA. I know uh, I was a, uh, you know, working the gun show circuits for the NRA for a while. And uh, the NRA, uh, you know, I, I kind of stopped when, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff came to light last year. And uh, actually, I'm telling you, the last gun show that I worked for the NRA, which was uh, this about this time last year, well, it was summer last year, I think, uh, it took them almost six months uh, to pay me. Like, it, it just took them that long, I guess, to scrape up the money to pay me. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised you know, they had the money. Yeah, pay. seriously. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I love doing God's work, but, you know, I, I, I do so much shit myself, you know, being a uh, single dad that, you know, you, my time ain't free unless it's with my kids. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's, uh, that, you know, they gotta pay me, you know, show me the money. That's right. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy. You know, and we're in, like you said, we're going to be talking about it later. I sent you some of the, uh, the links that we're going to be talking about in our news sections. So, um, so the save the second, um, we just had the NRA members accountability meeting. I know you had COVID, uh, during that time frame, but I know some other people from save the second went out there. How did the, uh, NRA annual meeting go this year? So the NRA annual meeting, uh, was canceled and rescheduled, canceled and rescheduled, I think about three times. 
And finally, they, they went with Tucson, Arizona. So, uh, you know, folks that are associated with us and, and other members, you know, went out to Tucson to, to have their voice heard because it is the meeting of the members, the annual meeting of the members, which is required under the NRA bylaws to be held before November of each year. So during this, these, uh, the meeting of the members, members can submit resolutions. And so we were hoping for a couple of things. We were hoping, first of all, for members to submit resolutions and a few of our resolutions to be heard. But also each year at the meeting of the members, there is an election for the 76th director. There are 76 directors for the NRA. And each year there's an annual one spot election for those that didn't win the primary election for the board of directors. And so we were hoping that Frank Tate would have been elected. Frank Tate is a friend of Adam Kraut. Uh, many of you obviously have watched Adam Kraut on the legal brief, you know, TGC News, uh, that sort of thing. And he's working now with Firearms Policy Coalition. Adam Kraut is. So Frank Tate has been uh, in the the big uh, big firm acquisition uh, market, I guess you would say. He's, he's done a lot of stuff with large companies with lots of money you know, being bought and sold and, and reformed and all that good stuff. So that, I mean, that's basically what he does for, for a living. Uh, he's, he's done a lot. He, Frank Tate has done a whole heck of a lot. But I digress. He was up for election and we learned in recent months that the NRA has in the past sent lots of money to electioneer the election for the 76th director. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, they beat us. A guy named James Wallace or Jim Wallace from Massachusetts was elected instead of Frank Tate, even though half of our, well, I shouldn't say half, all of the folks that support Save the Second went out and voted for Frank Tate. That ought to tell you something. Uh, <laughs> and Frank Tate was the only one that had been actively campaigning for that spot. So anyway, it was uh, the meeting of the members was both disappointing and kind of encouraging. We had uh, several of our uh, resolutions read. So we got to call out Wayne LaPierre. We got to call out Charles Cotton. We got to call out Willis Lee. We got to call out Carolyn Meadows. By the way, Carolyn Meadows, the president, the current president of the NRA, didn't even show up. So shit. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. That, that ought to tell you something. You know, there's there's a lot uh, a lot to discuss on that. But you know, we're still moving in the right direction, even though it's not the immediate results that we wanted. Yeah, it's it's disheartening, but also, um, like you said, a little encouraging because I mean, the NRA, like I said, is the largest organization for Second Amendment advocacy, but it is still not like you know presidential election big. You know, it, there's only so many active members that get involved and uh, deal with the NRA annual meeting, the uh, election of the board of directors, things like that. Uh, so if you gather enough people that are tired of the shit that is going on, you can make a difference. Yep. And uh, if I remember correctly, Frank Tate, he was on the general election, wasn't he? And then he went for the 76 board uh, director. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, correct. So uh, this past year, each year there's there's an election for 25 uh, directors, unless of course there's resignations or, or deaths or something where they had to have to fill other spots. Uh, but this year he had uh, been uh, placed on the ballot by petition of the members. So in, in other words, one of the ways that you can run for the board of directors, instead of being nominated by Wayne LaPierre's nominating committee, and I'll call it that, it's called the nominating committee, but I mean, let's be real, it's Wayne LaPierre's committee. Uh, yeah, so one of the ways that you can get on the board of directors uh, or run for the board of directors, get on the ballot, is by petition of the members. So last year, Frank Tate had got the signatures, the amount of signatures necessary for him to be placed on that. And of course, then we had electioneering and he came in dead last. It floored me and floored so many people, but you know, that that's the name of the game when you're throwing out millions of dollars, when you can just, you know, give Hall Payne $5 million to go out and make sure that Frank Tate comes in dead last, frankly. And like this year too, going to Tucson, you can, you know, go and give James Wallace, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars and a few hundred thousand dollars to, uh, you know, these persons in California who are members that magically show up on a freaking bus. Oh, oh my God, don't get me started on that. It gets me so riled up. But the, the name of the game is there's folks like Frank Tate that are trying to make the NRA what it's supposed to be. And it's being controlled by a crony 
Judaism that is not accountable and does not respect members. And that's exactly what we're trying to change. And not only that, just just the greed in it. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the, 100%. you know, and, and if you're listening to this, you're obviously a fan of podcasts. I'd recommend that you go wa- uh, listen to uh, what is that? The inter- that podcast series that did. What is that called? The Gangster Corporation Capitalism. Gangster Capitalism. That's what it is. And they just released a new episode, I believe, this summer about it. Kind of like wrapping up There's They did the series and they finished. I want to say it was either late last year or early this year. And then a lot of more information came out because of their podcast. And they talked about the electioneering that you were talking about, where they would spend tens of thousands of dollars and have people just electioneer in the actual annual meeting to get that 76th person elected that the executives wanted. Because, you know, I'm just going to say Wayne LaPierre is obviously the head of it. Uh, He is the head of the snake. But, you know, you cut off a head of a snake, the body's still going to, you know, wiggle around for a while. Uh, And it's it's the entire executive board uh, of the board of directors that is the problem in my mind. Right. There's no secession plan or succession plan, rather, uh, you know, for Wayne LaPierre. And so you have the the board of directors that worships him like a deity, like he's Jesus reincarnated, like he's David Koresh and they're drinking all the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. I, I, I kid you not. Now, that's not to say that all of the directors are doing this. I think there's a few directors that are trying to make it better and they realize that this has become a cult more so than it has, you know, a national rifle association. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're having to tread lightly because of the cult-like nature. If, if you if you step out of line from worshiping Wayne LaPierre, well, then you get removed from all of your committees. And I guarantee you there's a guy that everybody respects that had that exactly happen to him. That's, that's Dwayne Liptick. I, I just got to mention his name, Dwayne Liptick, Mr. CEO of Magpul, Magpul Actual. He's on the board of directors uh, about this time last year. Well, I guess it was last year. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so he, he hadn't really stepped out of line, but he was asking legitimate questions and had concerns. And what does the officers of the NRA board of directors do? They removed him from every committee that he was on because he was asking legitimate questions. He was failing to worship Wayne LaPierre. Oh my God, that makes me so freaking frustrated. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously there, it's an uphill battle. I mean, we're ba- battling people that have millions of dollars. I mean, Wayne LaPierre is a millionaire. He's probably a multi-millionaire now. And here I am, Mr. Poor Guy, wearing a boonie hat in my basement, you know, trying to make things better for the gun owners in America. So yeah, it's an uphill climb, but it's a climb that we have to persevere and keep doing. Absolutely, man. And I'm y'all are doing God's work and you got, I mean, you know, I support you and Save the Second 110 fucking percent. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, what are Save the Second's uh, plans so far for 2021 NRAM if it's going to happen? Well, I mean, first of all, thank you for your support because likewise, I support the hell out of you, man. I think you're amazing and you're doing more of God's work than most of the people in the NRA. So carry on, sir. Now, our plans for 2021, unfortunately, it's reactionary. We don't have the initiative because the NRA is most likely going to cancel NRA annual meeting like SHOT Show was canceled. Uh, and on top of that, you've got the next board of directors meeting, which is supposed to be on January 9th. And I mean, we're coming up on COVID lockdown 2.0, which is probably going to be worse. And I doubt that they'll actually have the board of directors meeting. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of useless to make plans that we are fairly certain are going to be canceled. Ugh. But still, we know that there's going to be an election for the board of directors. Frank Tate's going to be back on the ballot. And there's a lot of freaking morons that are uh, nominated to be on the ballot. So we'll, we'll definitely raise attention to them being morons and unfit to be on the board of directors. Uh, besides that, electing Frank Tate or any other director that wants to have accountability within the NRA, man, we're, we're going to have to be reactionary. Well, and that's what I was wondering. I didn't know if you were going to try and, and I know you guys had Frank Tate and that's who y'all are really pushing. Um, but maybe about having more than just one person that you try and throw your weights behind. I didn't know if there's anybody that stepped up or if you have anybody that's in mind that you maybe try 
to reach out that's you know on the ballot to say hey this is kind of like what we're what's going on uh i'm sure yeah you know either on the board or you've been nominated for the board this is what is going on since you're this is your first time being nominated um and, and try and and maybe kind of flood the ballot so to speak so they played that one really well this year uh, because of covid we could not have anyone who wanted to start running by petition to the members in other words getting signatures from members to be able to be placed on the ballot they could not according to the bylaws start to get those signatures until after the meeting of the members the meeting of the members is generally held in april the first weekend of april and so usually you have the entire year to get signatures and whatnot well if you wanted to run for the board of directors by petition to the members <laughs> you, you were at a disadvantage you had just only a couple of weeks to get signatures so currently there's most likely only, only going to be frank tate on the ballot by petition of the members he'll be the only candidate to have got enough signatures in time and that is something that we'll certainly look for next year in 2021 is how do we get people that want to be on the board on the board and the first step in the process is getting those signatures but those signatures have to come after the meeting of the members so so freaking bylaws in the internet i've got it right here you know and i mean it's it's just difficult and convoluted to try to follow their outline of how we go about things you know apply but play by their rules when they have rigged the rules to be in their favor i got you yeah because i mean um last year y'all uh um what am i trying to say proposed a bat uh proposed a measure by member signatures uh, yes. and y'all were awesome very successful got tons of signatures mailed yep. into you guys and and did you know did an amazing way so i didn't know if you had maybe you know you already got the framework in uh just didn't know if you maybe had the names or some people that you're you know and obviously i don't want you to, to give away your whole game plan uh <laughs> but just something you know in place that you were going to try and maybe do something like that this year because honestly um you know when most of these people get these ballots because you know they send out you know tens of thousands of ballots a year and they just get maybe a single percent you know like a, a single no digit percentage of those ballots back in the people that actually voted um and most people you know it's like a 18 year old high school girl that just left her cheerleading practice that's going to vote for the first time oh well he's got a cool name i'll vote for him you know shit like that you know they're yeah, either this going guy's to... from my state i will exactly vote for exactly you know or uh you know he's he's from uh alabama they got a kick-ass football team let's vote for him you know so shit like that <laughs> right? uh so i, I should know if that would you know maybe be a better strategy to try and maybe get some uh board friendly people on there yeah you're not wrong uh and with the voting of the nra uh, the people that can vote in the nra the members who are voting eligible have to have five years of annual membership or more consecutive yes sir consecutive five years consecutive annual membership you know or more or life members or better so if you just bought a membership today annually well then you're not voting eligible right so there's only about five million current members of the nra and i say current we don't know how many of them have you know passed away this year right so we don't know what the attrition of members or or that is uh we try to have a ref, uh, resolution this year to actually give us that information but so far it doesn't look like they're going to be able to do that but i suspect out of the 2.5 million voting eligible members on the books that only an estimated 180,000 vote so you know obviously less than 10 percent of the voting eligible people vote yeah that that's a problem and it's you know been speculated that well i wonder if uh you know wayne lapierre has thrown life memberships to persons who would support him you know that sort of thing <laughs> i don't know uh that's that's being speculative now the petition that you were mentioning that we passed around last year and we're very successful with we had tons of signatures come in we had a petition to amend the bylaws of the nra to include an attendance policy for directors now that sounds all well and good man i mean we want the directors to show up unlike you know some uh, i should call names shouldn't i marion hammer you piece of <laughs> oh no so so there's been many directors who have been lackadaisical and not even shown up you know to board meetings and so why are you on 
on the board of directors if you're not even going to show up and do your job, right? So that that's what our petition meant to address. Well, the petition that we had required, you know, just a few thousand signatures to be able to get on uh, to the nominating committee to be heard. And what does the not, or I'm sorry, not the nominating committee, the bylaws and resolutions committee. And so what do they do? They say, ooh, this is a petition for us to hear this and, and decide. So we'll do it in our favor. We won't do it the way the members want. We'll, instead of amending the bylaws, what we'll do is we'll make it a director policy. So the directors now have a policy manual. I haven't seen it. And that policy manual now has an attendance policy in there. So that that's why we haven't pursued that more is because while while we certainly have goals that would encourage accountability within the NRA, including attendance, obviously, for the directors, it's probably not going to be to the benefit of the members in the way that they enact that uh, response. So oh, there's there's so so much of a learning curve here and how we're going to be effective in making those uh, improvements to the NRA. And we, we can't just go in and say, hey, we want to be your friends, guys. You, Mr. Wayne LaPierre, uh, you know, worship cult. Uh, you know, Why don't we make the NRA better? Well, they'll, they'll say, oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we want that. Yeah. This, this is how we want it. And then they'll obviously do the opposite of what we're actually wanting. So we have to be very smart about how we go about making these changes and, you know, doing these petitions and trying to get people on the ballot for board of directors and so on. Yeah. It is definitely an uphill fight, but y'all are still, still fighting the good fight, man. It's amazing. Well, thank you, dude. Thank you so much. You're, you're a freaking stud, Nick. You really are. Mr. 2A Lifestyle. <laughs> Your podcast is awesome. And I've loved everything that you've done with it. Yeah. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you. The, the respect is easily mutual. I appreciate it, man. So let's go ahead and start getting into some of the news stories that I have pulled up that's affecting the gun community at large. Uh, first one is uh, just, you know, you might not know this guy. This comes to us from Ammo Land, uh, but Robert Kukula, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Yep. Uh, he is passed and he is a uh, kind of like an OG long-term uh, gun rights ad- advocate. Uh, he is from the state of Illinois. He's an attorney out there and uh, he has actually uh, been the executive, he was the executive director for the NRA from 76 to 78. Uh, he was the uh, legislative director for the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms uh, starting in 78. Uh, he is also a, an advisor uh, to the Second Amendment Foundation pretty early on uh, from 1958 to 1970. And he was also the chairman for the Legislative Committee for the Illinois State Rifle Association. So we're talking, you know, about shit people like Wayne LaPierre, uh, but this is a, a good dude. He did a lot of good work uh, back in the day and just kind of want to give recognition to where recognition is due. Uh, so definitely wanted to mention that. Uh, yeah, guys, you, ever, you gotta read you ever, his book, by the way. You gotta read his book. His I, book is I incredible. didn't mention it, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and talk about it. Oh, okay. So th- this is big. I mean, this like he's like you said, he is an OG for real. Okay, so he was starting the gun rights advocacy fight, you know, before really anyone. Uh, well, you know, the NRA wasn't actually fighting for gun rights at that point in time. They were just kind of, you know, shaking their head and smiling. Yeah. Uh, but, but he was one of the guys that started that. So just after President Kennedy was assassinated, there was this anti-gun movement that started that was that was huge that we hadn't seen before, well, with the exception of the 30s. And so he chronologically notated everything that they did, how they started, what was going on. So he was he was getting information on the enemy, so to speak, you know, the anti-gun folks, before it was cool to even call yourself anti-gun or pro-gun or anything like that. And so he paved the way for a lot of the gun rights lobbying and advocacy that we have today. 
Absolutely. And uh, yeah, check him out. He, he did have a book, um, probably a little bit dated for today's politics, uh, but it just kind of gives you a history of Second Amendment advocacy because, like you did say, uh, he was uh, started in the 50s uh, and then really kicked in uh, in the the 60s and 70s. And you know, in the you know, you had the Gun Control Act of 68, like you said, it was after uh, all the violence uh, of J JFK getting shot, MLK getting shot, uh, Malcolm X getting shot, so on and so forth. Uh, so you know, it was kind of around that time. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool, dude. Definitely, man. And rest in peace, absolutely, and to his family. Sorry for your loss. Absolutely, man. Uh, this next couple of articles are actually kind of about new products, but I wanted to mention them kind of in the main segment just because um, it was just pretty interesting, and, and I think it's going to really kind of kickstart a lot of uh, gun work, custom work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, SIG, this comes to us from Tactical Life, uh, SIG has officially released the Custom Works 320 fire control unit to the public. Um, and I think this is good because... Uh, uh, you know, with SIG, you know, it's not like a Glock where uh, you just have to get the frame, uh, you know, and then the Polymer 80s come out so you can do it yourself. Uh, with SIG, you can't have like a 80% fire control group. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty difficult. It's way out of wheelhouse for a lot of people. Uh, you know, if you ever tried to put up 80% uh, 1911 together, you realize that is uh, very, very fucking difficult. So uh, the, you know, 80% market really isn't going to come to the SIG uh, 320 fire control groups. So, you know, SIG is releasing more and more of their fire control groups for the public. Uh, this is kind of for, I guess you would say, probably the Gucci builds uh, is what I would say. Uh, but, you know, 320 is a very popular gun, um, you know, and it's very it's very modular. That's why the uh, Army went to it. That's what a lot of departments in my area carry. Uh, and it's a very cool gun because it is very uh, easy for the average gun guy to fix, you know. Um, if, you know, my big fat fucking gorilla hands, it's hard for me sometimes to mess with springs on my glass whenever I'm replacing a trigger or some shit like that. Uh, but where it comes to uh, the SIG, you know, all you got to do is pop those little pins out, lift up your fire control group. You could put in your new uh, frame or your new uh, uh, magazine release, whatever the fuck it may be. It's just a whole lot easier for kind of the average person to deal with. Uh, so I think that is going to really kind of kick up the 320 Gucci, you know, Gucci uh, 320s out there, the, the market, the builds, the Instagram posts that you see uh, where it's all tactical with fucking you know, bullets and brass. Uh, but now with ammo prices, it'll probably just be, uh, you know, snap caps or some dumb shit. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's just some cool shit that, uh, that's out there. Now you mainly shoot Glock, right? Yeah. Now, now that's practically all I shoot. Uh, yeah. I just got a new gen five MOS, uh, that I'm going to be going dot life on uh, pretty soon. So yeah, I, I do that, but I've, I've got a little bit of experience with the 320. Honestly, I shied away from the three, 320 after, uh, what was it? The Dallas, uh, department, uh, had the officer drop it and it went off. And uh, you know, then that started the whole debacle about, you know, being drop safe and all the jokes and memes that went along with that. But honestly, you know, really looking back at it, and especially after the army had selected it, they selected it for a freaking reason. And that reason is exactly what you mentioned. It being easy to work on, super easy. And of course the serial number is on that fire control group, you know, so that's that's the, the FFL part, right? That's like the, the AR lower that you can put your number on. And, and because of that, I mean, it's already kind of freaking Gucci style ready, right? So I don't have to have a standard frame. I could have the craziest frame on earth so long as it, you know, holds the, the slide and the fire control group. So, man, 320 is really freaking awesome. I, I hate to say it because, of course, I am kind of a Glock fanboy, but, dude, it's it's a great gun, and this is this is brilliant. This is what SIG should have done from the get-go and then had, you know, some different frame sizes, you know, polymer 80-like to be able to, to work with. But, hey, man, better late than never. This is exactly what it needs. This is really cool for SIG. And I'm surprised SIG hasn't come out with, you know, and you're starting to see it now, but I'm surprised SIG hasn't come out with more um, SIG official options for the 320 uh, when they first came 
out, you know, there was really nothing except for just, you know, the the different, you know, compact, full-size uh, carry version of the frames. That was it. Uh, but, you know, you're starting to see a lot more of the SIG official uh, parts coming out there. Uh, but you definitely are starting to see more of an aftermarket of it, too. Wilson Combat came out with their own grip of it. Um, it there's been a couple other brands that's come out with it. And, of course, the slides. The slides are, are all over the place. You can get them, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, just portals and, and all kinds of shit, uh, you know, to make it look cool for the gram uh, and all that kind of stuff. So that it's, it's pretty cool. And like I've said, uh, to me, uh, the standard, you know, standard kind of duty ready guns, it was to me, it felt like the best trigger out of the box. And uh, I know a lot of places, a lot of departments, uh, you can talk to different firearms instructors, uh, when they switch to the SIG, uh, their scores and uh, the ability for people to qualify went up just because it's a, it's a better trigger. Now, I, th- I think there's a better trigger, right? I, I think there's some improvements to be had. For example, like I, I love the lack of over travel, you know, after the trigger breaks, yes. it doesn't come back very much. And I love the reset. The reset is where it needs to be. It's that's wonderful. The thing that I dislike is the trigger as you're manipulating it, it feels real spongy. It's like, like you're pushing down on, you know, a wet sponge and then you have a little, you know, break just after if you're dry fire practice and you have that break that's, it's very different than other guns. Uh, so I, I think obviously just smoothing out that trigger is, is as you start to manipulate it is where you can get a lot of benefit, but you're right. I mean, out of the box, the only other trigger that I like better out of the box is one of the, the CZ, you know, P10Cs. And uh, see, I've never, I yeah. haven't tried one of the CZs yet. I've heard that, but I haven't tried it. But then again, you really don't see a lot of, uh, you know, it, just recently they came out with the duty ready uh, P series. Uh, right. So, but you know, back right. then it was either uh, Glocks, SIG 320s or the Smith & Wesson M&Ps. Uh, and it was just the best out of the three, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the M&P 2.0 answered a lot of the problems that, you know, yeah. departments were having. So, you know, with the trigger, like my local department here in Colorado Springs switched to the 2.0 just after it came out, dude. I mean, just almost <laughs> a week after it came out, CSPD was like, hmm, we're going to go to the 2.0. Uh, and yeah, that trigger is, is loads better. And then when SIG came out with the 320, I think it was even better. And so, you know, obviously you're right. There's there's so many departments that are realizing a good, smooth trigger that breaks easily, that has, you know, a lack of over travel. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a New York eight pound trigger to, to be effective. In fact, you know, adding weight to the trigger arguably makes you less accurate. So there's so many departments I'm thankful that I've researched that and learned that. And yeah, th- I mean, this is kind of the golden age for, you know, duty handguns. It really is. Absolutely. Going into the next article is from Tactical Life. Uh, it is SIG tag NO6T uh, named U.S. Department of, uh, U.S. Defense Department Direct View Optic. So you're starting to see a lot of uh, military branches going away from the just fixed, you know, three power trigger Trichicon, ACOGs, and they're going to uh, LPVOs, which is interesting. And I think, you know, this has been going on for a while because, uh, you know, the Department of Defense is trying to find a new round outside the 5.56, and you're starting to see the 6.5s starting to gain popularity uh, just because, you know, there was a lot of issues, uh, you know, in combat, in especially Afghanistan, uh, where you did have those longer shots where, you know, you could hit something, you know, uh, four or five, 600 meters out, but it just, you know, didn't have the killing power that they were wanting. So they were wanting to get the bigger cartridge. And that's when they were realizing, hey, we're going to have to get something besides just a three power optic to reach out that far. Now, you, you know, had some some guys that were kind of Kentucky windaging it, but you're looking for those kind of accurate shots. Uh, and so they started looking for the LPVOs and this is what was announced. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this is going to go because, uh, you know, the ACOGs were just uh, like a fucking brick. You could, you know, run those bitches over with an MTV and it probably would still just be fine. Uh, but, you know, when you start adding, you know, some tubes that needs to be, um, you know, sealed, you know, I'm sure, you know, filled with nitrogen and all that kind of bullshit. It's, you know, going to have to take a little bit more care of it. And 
so it, and you were in the army, you know, soldiers could fuck up a wet dream, you know, fuck up an oh, anvil with a, they could yes. fuck up a wolf bat with a with a or a fuck up anvil with a wolf bat, you know. So yep. uh, it, it's just interesting to see how this is gonna go, and uh, maybe this will, you know, you hadn't seen the army really adopt uh, a new cartridge yet for the um, uh, main, you know, M4 type rifle uh, rifle. So it'll be interesting to see what's gonna go on. Yeah, and honestly, I I don't really foresee you know any of the the military branches moving to a, a different cartridge for you know light infantry and whatnot uh, anytime in the near future. So I, I'm pretty sure that this particular optic is really suited for that you know M855A2 that brand new yeah. cartridge you know for NATO, which apparently that has a much better ballistic coefficient. You know, it can fly better, right? So yeah. the low power variable optic really is suited more so for that cartridge. And you're right, man. I mean soldiers can screw anything up, and generally the equipment that comes out to soldiers is not Gucci equipment. Okay, if dude, if anybody says, "Oh, this is millispec," I'm like, mm, I don't really want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's the the equipment that's given to soldiers is for the lowest common denominator soldier. You know, the guy that that could screw up shaving in the morning or something like that, right? So yeah, you know, this must be a very good optic. And you're right. I mean, with the the ACOGs, which are fixed four power, that's it. No no magnification in or out from four X. Uh, this provides a lot of uh, different applications, right? So if I wanted to, to you know clear a building, well, I'm technically clear it with an LPVO pretty easily. You know, just dial it down and, you know, both eyes open. Life is good. Rock and roll. Uh, and you could make those really long shots. So you bump up that, that magnification. There is a learning curve. And anybody that thinks that they're just going to hand these out to soldiers and they're going to be like freaking, you know, John Wicks, you're kidding yourself. I mean, it takes a lot. Dude, I suck at LPVOs. I really do. Mainly because there is that that magnification that on and off. So I, I don't use them in three gun or any of my rifle competitions or anything. I'm, you know, for all of those, I'm EOTech, no magnification. Both eyes open, run it and gun it. So I'm very curious, not only how these are, are given to, to what units, you know, is it 11 Bravos infantry only, but I'm really curious to see how the army trains soldiers to use it. Well, and uh, we got some good buddies uh, that are in the military uh, through different uh, pages, and I, it seems like the army is starting to kind of go back more towards the basics on marksmanship. Uh, and so I think that's kind of what the future is going to hold uh, for, um, you know, the infantry guys, for Cavs scouts uh you know stuff like that it's 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 going to be interesting i'm very interested to see how it's going to happen and what the army is going to do to try and teach the fundamentals of marksmanship uh and you know the army is probably with the lpvos are probably gonna have to you know extend you know to maybe like a, a marine type style qualification up to 500 yards yep. uh, instead of the 300 because you know shit my entire time i never used any fucking optics in the army uh for qualifications it was all iron sights and it's not that i'm fucking old it's just uh the army didn't care about my unit enough to give us optics uh same, so yeah same. uh so you know and i could hit the the 300 meter uh target no problem so it'll be interesting to see if they maybe go out to a 500 meter uh qualification because they are working on that kind of stuff uh just through seeing uh different uh trade ops you know sites facebooks all that kind of stuff and what they're kind of pushing out yeah and of course the army today is not the the army of 2003 that, that i know so yeah yeah i'd be really curious to see how they grow and advance absolutely going into the next story comes to us from firearms blog uh shot show blues tfe and tfb tv announces gunfest 2021 now this is something that we have mentioned before whenever we were talking about shot show being canceled that there was going to be something that uh tries to replace it because that's what these manufacturers need to try and publicize their new products uh you know the gun collective john Patton over there was talking about doing something i hadn't heard anything else new uh about what he was trying to do uh but obviously the tf uh, the farms blog pretty big or pretty big site pretty big organization in reference to gun media uh, is kind of doing their own thing at Gunfest. 
in Gunfest, uh, the time uh, doesn't I'm just kind of scrolling through. It is going to be December 8th through 10th and January 6th through 8th. Uh, and it's actually going to be in New Orleans. That's not too bad. Uh, that's not that far of a hop, skip, and jump away from me. So uh, interested to see what that's going to be, if that's going to get a lot of traction in regards to that, because, uh, you know, especially if there's going to be a national lockdown, like you said, 2.0. Uh, and then also New Orleans in kind of Louisiana as well is not, you know, even though it's in the South, it's not a very conservative bastion uh, like fucking Alabama or Mississippi. Yeah. A little bit Democratic tendency. So if, uh, you know, they might try and shut that kind of shit down. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at uh, what would be Mardi Gras. I think Mardi Gras is going to be done for this year as well in New Orleans. So Mobile, which has the oldest Mardi Gras celebration in the country, uh, is still holding theirs. So I'm no very, I'm, yeah, I'm actually pretty excited. You know, I have tons of friends. Mobile, uh, you know, Alabama is Alabama, but people always say Huntsville is different than the rest of the state. And so is Mobile. Mobile, you know, people don't say they're from Alabama. They say, well, I'm from Huntsville or I'm from Mobile. You know, I don't like to say I'm from fucking like either Birmingham or Montgomery or some <laughs> shit like that. Uh, right. I just say I'm from Alabama. But, you know, they have their own uh, Mardi Gras. Like I said, it's the oldest Mardi Gras celebration in the, in the country. Uh, and they go pretty fucking wild for Mardi Gras down there as well. It's it's actually, it is considered a state holiday. In, uh, is it really? In Mobile County and Baldwin County, which is, you know, the little uh, Bay areas. So everybody, you know, state employees, city employees, uh, they're off work those during Mardi Gras. So That's so cool, man. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I had no clue about it. Yeah. So uh, that is still going on. So, um, you know, uh, certain places don't give a shit. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how well that is going to be. And Colorado shares reciprocity for concealed carry with the great state of Alabama. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going on to the next story. Uh, this is another one that I thought is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, the Farms Blog uh, comes to us from the Farms Blog. Uh, Palmetto State Army releases an ARV, an AR that takes Scorpion mags. Um, and, you know, this is just pretty cool because uh, I'm all about, you know, cross, uh, you know, crossing different things and having to be able to, you know, have product A that takes product B shit. Uh, that's, you know, what's kind of good about, you know, everything's taking Glock mags and all that kind of stuff. Scor- you know, the CZ Scorpion, when they first came out, I kind of thought, I honestly kind of thought that it was going to be just kind of like a one trick pony type thing, but it really, you know, CZ got into it very early whenever uh, the carbine PCC kind of stuff uh, was coming out and yeah. it's, it's sticking around. Uh, and so they were releasing a uh, nine millimeter AR platform that takes the CZ Scorpion mags, which is good because um, at least before this whole bullshit, uh, it was fairly cheaper to shoot nine millimeter than five, five, six. Uh, but now good luck finding both. Right. And beyond and, that, I mean, you had, uh, you know, the, the Scorpion is, is so awesome in that you have an aftermarket support, like you were mentioning, and, and that aftermarket exploded. And heck, there's other mag manufacturers like Manticore Arms is making, you know, mags for the CZ Scorpion with metal feed lips, which yep. was a huge improvement, man. And that, that's really cool. And those mags are stinking inexpensive. That, that's the thing with like a uh, SIG. If you go get, you know, any of the SIG, uh, you know, pistol, cal- pistol caliber carbines, dude, those mags are expensive. Holy yeah. God, they're expensive. Even the Uzi mags. Uzi mags are exceptionally expensive. So CZ Scorpion mags are very inexpensive. And this is really cool. This is this is brilliant. Obviously, it, it, you're, like you mentioned, it's difficult timing because now nobody wants to, you know, shoot the ammo. They, they just paid three times the regular cost for. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, you're talking about Manicore. Uh, they make good stuff and they really improve on, on uh, every, you know, common use things. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the, the metal feed lips. Uh, if you're going to get this, check out them for those metal feed lips because that did solve a lot of issues early on uh, with the SIG. Or not yep. SIG, the CZ. CZ Scorpion, yeah. Now, I will say, and hey, your discretion, I used to own a CZ Scorpion. I don't anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's 
it's not a bad gun. It's a fun gun. But I guarantee if you're going to try to run that in some sort of competition and you're an AR guy, you're going to go brain right back to AR and make so many exactly. mistakes. Oh, my exactly. Gosh. Yes. Oh, but still, I mean, that's so, it's so fun. But yeah, it's a learning curve. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Like you said, yeah, I think that's why it's uh, cool that it's going into the AR platform. Yes. And this next one is uh, it is a product news release again, but it was kind of a shit show for Geisley. Uh, this comes to us from the firearms blog. Geisley springs into the AR-15 magazine game. And basically, these are just, uh, you know, metal magazines made by DNH. And originally, uh, they had an MSRP of $22 $23. And people called them out quick and in a fucking hurry. And uh, they have since quickly dropped that price down to nearly in half and said, oh, hey, by the way, uh, actually, our MSRP is going to be like $13. Uh, but that's because they were called the fuck out on their own shit. And, uh, you know, it was funny. The, the, just the shit talking coming out of it because you know Geisley uh is just kind of a mixed bag uh company you hear a lot of people talk great things about them you know some people say that's the only kind of trigger that they'll have in their air platform rifles uh, but then you also see a lot of people talk shit about them because of you know they say it might be overpriced or uh issues with customer service and then they add this to the bag uh it's just you know I, do you think that they did this because they thought they could charge that much because it has the Geisley name on it or do you think it was an honest oversight Honestly, I think it was an honest oversight. And the reason for that is because of MSRP, right? MSRP. So, I mean, especially going into, you know, like, uh, well, heck, we're going into Black Friday right now, right? So, uh, you know, you have a lot of companies that have a higher MSRP, but their sale price is much lower. So basically what they were probably doing is just setting the MSRP. So people say, wow, on the website, it says $22, but in real life, it's, you know, only 12. Amazing. It has Geisley. I love Geisley. So that's probably what it was. But I say it's probably, I mean, let's not forget that Geisley made a bayonet lug attachment recently. But that was pretty so, fucking cool. That, oh yeah, that was oh yeah, it was. Cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, but, but th this is a you know definitely a company that's just all of a sudden out of the blue doing like really cool. I mean, Geisley hasn't had their own magazines before. Magpul has has ruled the roost. You know, and the GI Mag has been around for you know since since Stoner, right? Since the '60s. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they they just started to come up, do new things outside of rails and triggers and and I mean they they even have their own rifles now for crying out yeah. loud. Which you know, just a few years ago I didn't think that would be possible. So. Yeah, I think maybe it's more just general oversight or you know, releasing a new product. Oh, let's set the MSRP up high, but you know this is what our actual price is. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, you know the, the actual owner. I think is the owner of Geisley. Uh, some people were posting uh, some chat room stuff where they were, you know, he was getting called out, and then he happened to, to you know, just a normal dude going through the chat room saw it himself, and he's like, oh shit, you know, um, that's our our bad. Uh, you know, I kind of like you know maybe let the marketing guy handle it, and I don't think he realized you know the. the actual thing because they were comparing it uh, to PSA mags. Right. They were also made by D&H yep. and they were like 10 or 11 bucks and actually uh, for Black Friday you can get 10 uh, PSA D&H mags for 100 for 99.99 so 100 bucks. So awesome. You know yeah. 10, 9.99 versus what would have been 22-23 dollars for the guys in mags. So and he, he fixed it. So like I said I almost think that maybe it was um, you know kind of kind of uh, oh god I'm trying to think of, a, of the movie reference but you know um, oh shit uh, fuck the rookie. You know how you had the the, the old guy that was that owned the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and it was his like nephew or some shit that was running it, and they were you know putting in the ground and all that kind of stuff. And he just kind of stepped in there at the very end. I was like, hey, you know, we're gonna keep this young man on the team or whatever the fuck it was. But yeah, I just fuck. I was I'm a Cubs fan, and that was an amazing movie. That's the one that came to mind. But yeah, it, it was it was funny. <laughs> Cubs fan, <Shit>. jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I lived up there for a while, man. So that's did you I, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Bulls fan. I am a 
Bears fan and I'm a Blackhawks fan. Uh, you know, I was up there during the heyday of Jordan. So you had Jordan uh, went and saw him play, went to his restaurant that he had up there. And then uh, the time, uh, the glory days of Dub Bears in the early 90s uh, when they were a powerhouse. So. I met my Dicka once. Okay. I got to tell you the story because I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I was on an airplane. I was working. Dicka steps on board. I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's Mike Dicka. And you know, he's like six feet taller than I am, right? I mean, the guy's massive. His hands are, you know, bigger than my chest. He's massive. And so I said, uh, well, Mr. Dicka, how are you doing today, sir? And just as nice and polite as he could be, he said, well, hell, I'm doing just fine. How are you? <laughs> like the back of the aircraft, like, here's it. And, like, everybody, like, throws their head in the aisle. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Mike. Like, I mean, he's being nice, but just everything about him was just so stinking powerful. It scared the hell out of me. The only guy that I've ever been scared of, by the way, just by meeting him. Uh, you know, a fucking interesting thing is that, you know, Mike Ditka could have changed national history. How's that? When Obama ran for Senate, he was talking about running for that same Senate seat that Obama ended up winning. And sure as shit, you know, if Mike Ditka would have uh, ran for the U.S. Senate in Illinois, he would have fucking won. But he decided not to, and Obama won. And then, of course, Obama won the presidency. So Mike Ditka could have changed, not even just U.S. history, world history. No so. kidding. Well, that makes me think, uh, just recently, Tommy Tuberville was uh, elected, right? And, Jesus you know, Christ. Head, yeah. but still, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I like the guy, and he's not Mike Dicka in any shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. However, he was a former you know, collegiate head coach. It makes me wonder, uh, you know, if uh, if we dodged, dodged a bullet by him being elected. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, just just uh, side stories. Interesting little side stories there. Heck yeah. So next article uh, also comes to us from the Farms blog, and it is uh, Six Hour Academy to add $13.5 million showpiece building uh, at their headquarters up in, uh, was it New Hampshire is where they're at? New Hampshire. Yeah, in Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, kind of disappointed. I, you know, all these farms companies are moving out of uh, gun, you know, less than gun friendly areas or gun control states. Uh, New Hampshire is still a pretty gun friendly state, uh, but it is surrounded by just gun grabbers. And I honestly can see, you know, New Hampshire falling that way as well. Uh, but, you know, with $13.5 million being invested into their headquarters up there in New Hampshire, uh, it seems like Six Hour is going to be um, staying up there, you know, and kind of disappointed because, uh, you know, we have, we did have Remington's headquarters up here in uh, Huntsville. Uh, Kimber just moved their headquarters down towards Troy. Uh, you know, Kimber, you know, is a name well known in the gun community. Love them or hate them. Uh, but it's kind of cool that they're moving up there. You know, Daniel Defense is just uh, kind of next door to us in um, Georgia. So Glock's in Georgia. So I just would like to have seen Six Hour kind of move down a little south or, you know, maybe out in Texas or something where there's, you know, a lot more uh, gun friendly people uh, out there. And, but, you know, they're, they're building that. They're adding a lot of cool shit to it. So uh, if you ever make the trek up there to New Hampshire, stop by uh, Six Hours headquarters there. They got a lot of stuff for people just to walk in, you know, kind of kind of see the cool shit that they have going on there. And also, you know, the SIG also SIG's uh, farms instruction. They have really actually very good farms training up there at the SIG headquarters. Uh, but it's like way the fuck up there in the corner of the country where it should, I think it should be kind of more centrally located. Yeah, you know, I'll throw you a curveball. Uh, that is the last state in the Northeast that is even remotely pro-gun. And they're still, yeah. you know, pro-gun. Now with, with uh, you know, post-COVID economy, I think you're going to see a lot of freaking dudes from New York City say, screw the city. I'm going to the country. And you can get land pretty cheap up there, right? So there's going to be a, a, an exodus, I think, in the next couple of years of people leaving the metropolis and going out in the country. And that could very easily turn New Hampshire blue. I mean, like, not, not just like, you know, oh, we vote for Democrats or socialists or whatever, but we hate guns. All guns don't matter, you know, sort of thing. So I, I'm kind of happy still for these, these companies that haven't moved out of state because they're kind of the last bastion of uh, what would be pro-gun and, and you know, ho hopefully 
change anti-gunners' opinions in their states. I mean, you, you look at California, and there's loads of companies that have already moved out of California. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, moved to Wyoming. Crud. What's the name of that bolt gun manufacturer? Weatherby. Weatherby moved out of California yeah. for, for Wyoming. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I mean, the more people that move out of those states, even though it sucks in those states, the more that you have just strictly anti-gun folks, you don't have any ability or persons who might make a change in that geography, in that demographic. So, I don't know. I've got mixed emotions about it. but And, and I kind of agree with you. Like, the instruction stuff, it'd be really cool to see the instruction for six centrally located. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. That that may be more a strategical place, you know, that for, for Second Amendment advocacy than, than you might imagine. Well, and since you mentioned that, uh, I mean, New Hampshire is not a uh, huge metropolis. And SIG is a very large employer. Uh, so, if, you know, they have a lot of people hired on there, you know, they don't want to have gun control probably legislation passed in their state because they realize right. it's going to affect their their livelihood. Yeah. Uh, so that is good. But if you, like you said, uh, and you're seeing it with especially, you know, Californians moving to fucking uh, Texas, uh, where, you know, you, people from New York might move to New Hampshire and kind of outnumber those people that rely on uh, SIG's employment for their livelihood. So it's that, that is a very interesting point. Yeah, well, that's it's more of a theory. But yeah, I'm definitely saying like, like, for example, my wife works entirely from home now. And heck, eight months ago, she didn't. Now, that's not saying that, you know, she worked, you know, downtown New York or something like that. But I guarantee you there's so many companies now that are doing work from home stuff that it's going to change the way that the, the demographics of the United States. No longer are you going to have a rule, America, be entirely contradictory to the urban folks. And yeah, yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the future, man? Oh, absolutely. And speaking of the future, uh, this next article, uh, Sign of the Times, Vista Outdoor brand behind one year and $1 billion worth of ammo orders. Uh, that is depressing as shit because who knows when ammo will get back to normal. Uh, you know, before uh, Walmart used to be kind of like, they didn't have nine or two, two, three or anything anymore. But uh, because of that, you know, and it's hard to find, I've been training a lot more with 22s, you know, my Glock 44, uh, my CMMG 22 long rifle conversion from AR-15. And I used to actually still get, you know, the big 500, you know, round packs of 22 from Walmart for you know, regular price. And, you know, they had the, the limit of three, uh, but you know, you get 1500 rounds of, of 22 and that would be, you know, a whole week or two of me training with those 22 rifles uh, and firearms, uh, you know, not necessarily recoil, but just the movement and the draws and sight it, you know, picture, you know, acquisition on the first shot, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now I went there today and they didn't have shit for any ammunition. And you, you're seeing that a lot too, where um, these people going hunting, like you're talking about, this was opening gun season for uh, deer hunting in Al uh, Alabama. You know, a lot of those people are bitching because they can't find their 30 out six or the 308 uh, or whatever uh, for their you know deer hunting rifles. So yeah. with Vista Outdoors and Vista Outdoors, uh, you know, is kind of like the Goliath in ammo manufacturing. They own a lot of different brands uh, of outdoor Federal, brands. Yeah, Remington. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with them one year behind in a billion dollars worth of ammo and orders just waiting to be filled. It, it, this is stuff that they've already sold. So they have to fill these orders before they can really start sending ammo back to the stores to you know fill up the shelves. Who knows what the fuck will happen? Now here, here's a bit of good news to that. Uh, so I, I grew up in Arkansas, right? Uh, just north of where I grew up is Lone Oak, Arkansas, where Remington has one of their ammo manufacturing plants. With Remington going back into bankruptcy this past uh, what eight months ago now, they had closed their ammo manufacturing plant in Lone Oak, Arkansas. It was closed. Uh, and really, previous to that, uh, you know, a year ago, yeah, exactly a year ago, you had all these ammo manufacturers that were saying, oh well, shot shell is uh, the best thing to make us money right now, and you know, all the other calibers aren't really making 
making us money and they're not moving. They're stagnant. We don't have much orders. So let's work for, you know, some of that and get ready for, you know, duck season next year and all that stuff. Well, now that Vista has acquired all the assets for Remington, apparently they're reopening the Lone Oak, Arkansas ammo plant or have already. And so they're actually putting a lot of Remington's old assets to better use. So, I mean, while $1 billion in back orders sounds crazy, you know, I mean, I think Vista is, is going to be able to knock it out of the park. Uh, I just recently was able to buy some federal nine millimeter at my local gun shop last weekend. Uh, yeah, they had it. It wasn't a lot. And I grabbed as much as I could, which wasn't a lot, but still uh, I was happy to see it on the shelf. And yeah, I think, I think Vista is going to come around and keep in mind, folks, there, there's going to be a bubble, right? We have this huge demand and very little supply of ammunition right now, but eventually that bubble is going to burst. The demand will meet, reach where the supply is. And then that bubble bursts more. So there's more supply than there is demand and prices come down. I mean, we saw this during the Obama administration, the second term uh, started seeing, you know, ammo again, like you couldn't find 22 long rifle anywhere. And then all of a sudden Aguila starts popping up and, and yeah, the ammunition just went through the roof and you had the Trump slump and the bubble had, had burst in the opposite direction. So it sucks right now. You know, shoot a dry fire mag, shoot some uh, uh, Mantis X, you know, all of your dry fire options, but it's not going to be forever. We'll, we'll have ammunition again. We will have ammunition again. It's just my wonder is, will the prices go back to where they were? Because, uh, you know, I used to be able to get a box at 500 rounds of 22 for like 12 or 13 bucks at Walmart. Now it's yeah. 17 or 18 bucks, you know, and that that's the price that stayed since, uh, you know, the last ammo scare of 2012, 2013, right. uh, so, you know, and you know, just wonder if it's, it, it is, it will come back down and the supply will come back eventually. Who knows? Um, and that, you know, that's something else is when you use the last time you at least could get reloading components, but now shit, good luck finding any, you know, pistol primers uh, or yeah. rifle primers, you know, cause all that, you know, everybody that was here last time learned and they got, you know, a cheap lead kit and they started planking out their own uh, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So now keep in mind too, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, Black Friday coming up this week, right? I mean, just, uh, I'm sure your listeners are going to be able to hear this, you know, like the day before. Uh, so this time last year, I remember Palmetto State Armory having like a Remington USC UMC nine millimeter thousand rounds for $130 shit. Okay. <laughs> that was last year. So, and, and we came from another ammo scare. I, th I think what we're going to see is the pendulum swing to a further extreme. It's going to be really expensive. And then when the bubble bursts, it's going to go back to really cheap. And then we'll probably see another pendulum in another you know, four or five years, something like that. Who knows? But it, it's one of these things where there is an ebb and flow, but holy smokes, does that take a long time to, to reach those ebbs and flows? Yeah. And I was going to mention it later because we're going to talk about some gifts because uh, this is going to kind of be the, the Thanksgiving episode. Uh, and we're going to be releasing this Monday morning. So it should be hitting your podcast uh, platforms Monday. So it'll give you a few days to listen to this on the drive home or are you getting ready and decorating the house for Christmas and shit. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about some of that. Uh, Academy is having some killer deals on ammo. So if you have an Academy Sports next to you, uh, they have, I want to say it was some hundred round packs of 223 uh, for 70 bucks. What? And then they have uh, either some three, 300, I think it was 300 round packs of nine millimeter for a hundred dollars. And on their um, ads, they don't have a limit. There's no limits on there. Whoa. So I've fucking already have come to peace with my maker and my, my credit cards and said that I'm going to max them bitches out. If they have it, I'm going to be in the line seven o'clock in the morning at Academy and I'm going straight to the ammo section. Hopefully they, you know, they're advertising it. So I'm thinking that they probably, you know, when I worked in retail, there were certain things that we kept in the back, uh, specifically for Black Friday, because you want to make sure you had the stock on hand. So I think that's what Academy's doing. Uh, I just heard that, you know, a buddy of mine posted today that Academy did have some uh, five, five, six in stock. Uh, he picked up a couple boxes. Uh, so, you know, I'm thinking that maybe they're getting a shipment in for Black Friday. So that way they have some stock. Uh, now, 
now if they have you know even if it's even if it, they limit me three boxes uh, of that stuff I'm still gonna buy as much as I can uh, and that'll be my Christmas gift to myself so so uh, on that same note uh, a couple of my good buddies in fact I, I'm sure you guys remember Cole I uh, had Cole yeah. as a guest uh, so Cole and I are good friends and Cole went to Bass Pro Shop this morning uh, okay so what we found out is at least our local Bass Pro Shop has been receiving ammo uh, you know for sale from their distributors uh, in Saturday night Sunday morning so it goes out on the shelf Sunday morning so they went up there this week or this morning rather to see if there was anything uh, he and another friend there was nothing Bass Pro didn't have anything so it does make me wonder if like uh, apparently Academy if Bass Pro is also doing something like a hoarding of ammo you know getting it ready not putting it on the shelf because it's going to be a Black Friday deal I don't know yeah I, you know and like I said when I worked in retail uh, that's you know exactly how we did things uh, and I'm sure that's probably what they're doing so that way they can have something for the people that wait in line for 30 minutes to an hour you know Black Friday morning uh, and all that kind of shit yeah yeah Academy man that, that's impressive uh, there's not an Academy out by me but a good friend of mine in, in Louisville Kentucky uh, yeah Jameson man he, he goes there and buys ammo all the freaking time and I'm always jealous of him because they've been getting it and yeah we haven't out here yeah it's going into the next story uh, is going to be involving the Canadian Army which surprised me that they still have high powers that is still I guess the the standard issue for the Canadian Army uh, and the Canadian Army is looking to replace them so they are doing a bidding process for new firearms uh, they are stated in the article from the firearms blog that they're trying to uh, stick with Canadian manufacturers but I don't fucking know of any Canadian gun manufacturers so they're probably going to be uh, you know American stuff uh, you know probably either Glock I'm sure Glock's going to throw their name in there again with some the 19x maybe uh, uh, Smith and Wesson uh, of course Sig 320s uh, I'm sure maybe even CZ probably will throw their name in there with uh, the the P series uh, so th- to me that just this article shocking because I never realized uh, you know and the Canadians are some bad motherfuckers man like you know the, the, the military is pretty badass you know if you've had anybody I've served with um, Australian forces and British forces I haven't served with any uh, Canadian forces but everybody I've served with has served with them and there's some bad motherfuckers and uh, you know it just shocked me that they still use Canadian high power or uh, high power pistols yeah dude I, I saw that too and, and when you sent me that I'm like this has to be like a 1980s article what is this yeah they're still using it now okay so I will also say that uh, as far as military might is concerned Canada is known for two things their Air Force and the Striker so any of my 19 series buddies you know I mean you're gonna probably you know put it in the comments or something that yeah the Striker was made in Canada woo but I mean that's it so, <laughs> you know, so yeah are there are there any firearms manufacturers in Canada like what are they gonna replace it with like a squirt gun uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> well the, like, the article did mention a I've never heard of this uh, the C6A1 Flex GMP G's um, but they said that they were extremely expensive and I've never heard of this model or anything like that before yeah. um, and there is apparently a Colt Canada uh, that they kind of locally produce some things up there oh but, my gosh yeah so but we we see how Colts just kind of uh, wishy-washy with their shit anyway yeah a good friend of mine lives in Toronto and he just recently finally after so long was able to get a Glock handgun of course you can own firearms in Canada but that is ridiculously regulated I mean there's there's a lot of hoops to jump through uh, yeah so I mean the Canadian gun owners already know what to get get a Glock <laughs> yeah yeah I'll be curious to see what they actually do but holy god they were using high powers jeez and that's like I said that's the one thing that caught my eye on that article uh, 
you know the, the high power and it's still a good gun uh, yeah. i have i have one personally uh fn uh high power and uh it's it's a good gun and it's probably what we should have had way back in maybe the korean and vietnam wars instead Definitely. of the, the colt 1911s uh before we got the the bread and 92s but you know yeah they're still using it in the 21st century that's well, shocking and any of you 1911 lovers out there will probably uh attest to john moses browning saying that the high power was better than his 1911 <laughs> yeah tell that to a fud <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh man so uh to actually go ahead and skip that uh nssr article about uh gun control and let's just go on into the uh Amoland story where the nra settles with new york insurance violation case for 2.5 million dollars now yeah. earlier when you were talking about the nra you mentioned carry guard and this is where this came from now uh we've mentioned on, on the uh show before but just to kind of catch it up if you're listening or you forgot or uh, you kind of knew but the nra is actually chartered out of new york state so uh all of their you know kind of like even though their headquarters is in fairfax virginia uh all of their i guess you i guess you kind of say like their mail goes to new york you know if you want to say you know yeah. I, I stay i have my own place but my mail goes to my mama so i can avoid the creditors kind of thing uh that's kind of the way it is with the nra their charter is out of new york and it actually did start in new york way back in the 1870s uh but they just hadn't decided to update their stuff, I guess. They didn't move it to Virginia. So uh, when they decided to go on with Carry Guard a couple years ago, which was a financial disaster, uh, the uh, attorney general's office and just basically the whole state of New York uh, and their legal power went after the NRA for base in, and basically, I think the attorney general's exact words were insuring murder. Uh, you know, basically, you know, self-defense insurance is what Carry Guard was. It wasn't very good. It was, uh, you know, you know, wasn't a very good self-defense insurance. We've you know talked about it before, but um, it was insuring murder is what they called it. So they said it was illegal, and because they were uh, chartered out of New York, uh, they could kind of go after them. And you know, there's still a criminal investigation going on uh, with the NRA, but this was just the insurance portion of it. And the NRA has settled to pay uh, 2.5 million dollars to the state's Department of Financial Services, uh, saying that they violated the state insurance law for soliciting and marketing the sale. Uh, of insurance products under its carry guard program, which the you know, New York state said it was illegal, uh, which I think is funny because in New York state to have a concealed carry permit, and I think even to own a firearm, you have to have insurance for that firearm in case you use it, but it's illegal to run a business like that out of New York. So uh, it was just really the New York's way of trying to get at the NRA, which is the figurehead for gun advocacy uh, to the, you know, the left and gun control people. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge hit, $2.5 million. You know, the NRA, uh, you know, has a, a pretty big coffers in appearance, but I don't know if they really have $2.5 million at this point. And like I said, the criminal portion of their investigation is still going on to see if the NRA has violated any nonprofit laws from the state of New York, mainly going after uh, Wayne LaPierre and some of the executive board members. Uh, you know, have you heard any rumblings about, you know, the settlement there, Ron? Uh, sort of, yes. So as soon as this story came out, that they had settled, the NRA had settled. I put it on our uh, Save the Second Facebook page and one of the directors, Herb Lanford, wanted to spin it as a good thing. And so he immediately responded with the link to the NRA legal website, which is run by their lawyers, their representation outside lawyers, uh, William Brewer III, which by the way, they're paying him more than $2.5 million a month, estimated right now. <laughs> so, and by the, and let's think about this too, $2.5 million. You know how many NRA annual memberships that would buy? Seventy-one thousand four hundred and twenty-eight. <laughs> so if you're just going by the numbers, that's a huge hit to your ability to operate. 
and by the way, let's go back a little bit. So murder insurance. Yeah. Now, Letitia James, who is the attorney general in the state of New York. Yeah. She's she ran for the elected position of the attorney general in the state of New York on the on the campaign platform of I'm going to take down the NRA, that sort of thing. Right. So, yeah. I mean, what do we expect? Do we expect to say hear her say, oh, wow, this uh, this insurance policy was a fantastic policy? No. But beyond that, that doesn't mean that the policy itself was a really good policy. If you look at it, it looks like the NRA was taking advantage of the persons who would purchase this insurance plan to the tune of 14 to 21 percent on average above market value. So in other words, if you're searching for another similar insurance plan, those similar insurance plans are going to be 14 to 21 percent cheaper than what the NRA was doing. Yeah. So the NRA was taking advantage of its members, giving a crappy product, and they didn't do any homework at all to make sure that they were in compliance with New York law. It's, it's kind of like shooting yourself in the head instead of the foot, you know, like, let's just kill ourselves. This will be great. You know, suicide is wonderful. That's basically what the NRA leadership has done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, like I said, it was shit insurance. You know, when we talked about uh, self-defense uh, insurance earlier, the main thing that I said is that you need to have something where they pay you up front. And I think Carry Guard uh, didn't pay any jack shit. Nope. It was, nope. you had to pay it all up front and they paid you back only if you were found innocent. Right. So. Which, which, by the way, I mean, let's take it a step back. In most states, that's okay. Like the insurance policy is is squared away like that where, uh, you know, the insurance can start paying for like, say, criminal defense. Like if I, if I purchase prepaid legal defense insurance, well, they're going to start doing their stuff before, you know, I am found innocent or guilty if it goes to that, that jury trial. The problem is with the law in the state of New York, right? So the way that it was worded, at least that I understand, I may be wrong. I need to go talk to Cole, Mr. Lawyer, to see if he uh, you know, understands this any differently. But I cannot go and purchase insurance to insure myself against harm if I, you know, are intent to go rob my local Safeway and my local grocery store. So I can't go to State Farm and say, hey guys, I'm going to go rob my local grocery store. Will you provide insurance for me? So hell no, we can't do that because it's against the law. We can't insure criminals. So that's kind of where Letitia James was calling it murder insurance and she wasn't exactly wrong if you're viewing it within the purview of New York law because of the wording in that. Uh, That's weird because obviously if I'm defending myself, I have to be vindicated. I have to be justified. In most cases, I have to be justified, you know, after I'm pressed charges against by the district attorney. So it's not always cut and dry. Oh, that was a good shoot. I'm vindicated. Yay. No, sometimes the standard operating procedure is to place charges on the person that was uh, claiming self-defense. And in that in that limbo state of, of not yet being uh, justified and, you know, exonerated, in that limbo period, insurance cannot come to your aid. And that's kind of what it is in the state of New York. But still, the, the end of the matter, the, at the end of the day, the NRA didn't do any homework whatsoever and Kerry Gar was an ultimate disaster that was a multi-million dollar failure. Yeah, it, it was shit. Absolute shit. So let's start getting into some good news. Hopefully that gets people into the uh, a better mood. Uh, going on into the next article from Emiland, uh, the FPC has just filed the last three child brief in assault weapons case, basically challenging California's ban on, a, you know, quote unquote, assault weapons. And this is interesting because guess who listened to this? Our dear, good constitutional judge, Roger Benitez, who is responsible for Freedom Week. And uh, what, what else? There was something else recently, hey, too. Where- hey, hold up, Dick. Hold up. This is where you need to insert one of those like, like thunderous rap songs, you know, and then like have the <laughs> mental image of, you know, uh, Honorable Judge Benitez, you know, with like, you know, the shades the on, like an all gangster. Yep, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Love he it. is a fucking boss. And we, like I said, he is responsible for so much uh, great work that has come out of the Ninth Circuit, which has been 
been a liberal judicial circuit uh, for the longest time, but because of good judicial appointments, uh, Roger Benitez had, like I said, he's responsible for Freedom Week. Um, he's also uh, responsible for uh, fuck. There was something there, and there was a legal case that recently that happened, uh, maybe a couple months ago, that we talked about here on the show, but I can't remember off the top of my head at the moment. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to go because it could very well end up happening uh, another possible Freedom Week, but unfortunately for the people in California, it's during the worst uh, gun supply uh, period in history, probably. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to happen. Obviously, if uh, Roger Benitez does uh, strike down the assault weapon ban, the state of California will appeal it to the full panel of the Ninth Circuit, and we shall see how that goes because we are still waiting for the full circuit of the Ninth uh, to see the uh, assault, not the assault weapons ban, but the magazine limits. Uh, So that could be interesting. Definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, so I got a feeling I'm going to be hearing some good news from the Ninth Circuit soon anyway. Yeah, dude, just just three years ago, or maybe less, even two years ago, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was still the the place where any, you know, uh, court case that was pro-Second Amendment went to die. Like, oh, 9mm ammo must be micro-stamps, you know, so only, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, was, there were so many crazy things that came out of the Ninth Circuit Court, and now it's completely changed. It's just night and day different. Like, you know, where are we? What's going on? And Benitez is so freaking cool. So I, I have high hopes that it's going to be another freedom week also go to gun broker right now and look for like a daniel defense m4 you know and see what the current price is <laughs> if 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 i'm saying if california goes on a freedom week for assault weapons i guarantee you that price is going to triple overnight and there will be people that will pay for it too oh yeah oh, at the wazoo, yep. uh so let's go on into the next good story is comes to us from Amaland. uh gun shop and john crump sue governor northam in virginia over nation's gun show uh basically because of covid restrictions we have seen this uh, with gun shows that a lot of uh, less than free states are trying to hamper the sale of guns by closing down gun stores because they consider them non-essential now that has been overturned and fought by the good people at fpc nationwide uh, but now it seems that they're trying to hamper gun shows uh, which to me is just basically a uh, a gun store on wheels kind of you know yeah. uh, so they are suing uh, Governor Northam to reopen gun shows, which I will say, like I said, uh, I was in the gun show circuit for the NRA for a while, so I've made a lot of good, you know, some some acquaintances, a lot of good acquaintances uh, for a couple different gun shows. I was on three different circuits for gun shows, uh, you know, kind of going around the state and even a little bit into Georgia, and uh, you know, um, it, they are hurting. They, I mean, you know, and not only that, they were hurting before this because of the Trump slump. Yeah. Uh, you know, one person, I mean, he was in, inviting like fucking bad. Uh, bathroom remodelers to his gun show and you know just dumb shit like that just to sell booth space um yeah and uh he uh yeah i i don't know how they're doing i think he actually went under uh and he's no longer doing it uh there's another uh, kind of big one that does the area and they're they're still having it and since it opened back up but because of covid restrictions obviously um you know they're you know limited capacity so therefore a limited number of tickets to sell uh and then also you know you just having you know vendors come in with less merchandise uh so it's tough for these gun show people uh you know and i hate to say it because you know gun shows are kind of a ripoff especially during these kind of times even during the trump slump you saw a lot of these retailers at gun shows still selling you know guns for uh you know like post uh park town panic uh prices yeah Um, i mean that that was the running meme right you got the fud that says i know what i got and he's got a chinese sks you know marked up for three thousand dollars yeah but i mean and and i really hated it because you know the gun
Gen Show is, it's a really cool circuit if you ever get into it. A lot of cool people, met a lot of great people. Uh, you know, you always kind of saw the usuals at different, you know, different um, you know, sites. And, uh, you know, I hate it for them. I know several people that have uh, gotten out of gun shows. Um, fortunately, some I th- one got out right before COVID hit uh, and they kind of made out like a bandit uh, because they were able to get rid of all their inventory. Uh, but they, people that are now getting out, they're getting out because they had the inventory and they just either can't sell it because of COVID restrictions um, uh, or, you know, limited capacity. So you're still paying full price for a table, but you're having half the amount of people come into the gun show uh, right. that could come purchase your products. So. Yeah, there's that. I think there's also a, a, another segment of uh, the United States that is, you know, perhaps they've had COVID, all right? They're, they're a survivor uh, like myself, high, that say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to get it again. Uh, or let's let's say, uh, you know, in three months we have a vaccine and you get vaccinated. Does that mean that you can't go outside? You know, so there's a lot of uh, you know, freedom-loving Americans right now that are definitely like, you know what? I will effing go to a gun show right now. Show me one. And yeah, I'm curious if, if, if North, uh, I'm sorry, if Virginia is able to get gun shows back and going and squared away now, what that would look like, how many people would show up, what the restrictions would be, and what the average price for 556 would go for. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Shit. Seeing, the am- <laughs> seeing ammo sold in baggies, you know, breaking up yeah, a box right? of 50 and sell them in baggies of 10. Five, five rounds, $5. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next story comes to us from Cleveland19.com, 19 News. Uh, and this is its title uh, is the bill would make uh, a bill that would make it easier for teachers to carry firearms in school passes Ohio Senate, uh, which is great news. I definitely think everybody should be allowed to carry. Um, even if, you know, I think teachers should be allowed to carry, uh, but I think it, they should be paid extra if you're a teacher that carries and you've been through training that can help stop an active shooter. Uh, I think definitely things like that need to be in place. So I'm just glad to see that Ohio has passed that. Yeah, same. Absolutely, man. If we, if we have pilots that protect the flight deck on your flight from Kalamazoo to Chicago, you know, federal flight deck officers, why can't we have the same thing in our classrooms? Now, I, I, I'm certainly for the deputizing and training, you know, obviously, but this, man, this should be everywhere. And so I'm, I'm at least I'm glad that Ohio's doing it. Yeah. Uh, next story comes to us from OregonLive.com, and the title of it is Two Oregon Counties Make It a Crime for Police to Enforce Most Gun Laws. This is this is awesome. Uh, this is uh, Oregon's Columbia County and Umatilla County. Uh, that's good. It actually passed in, uh, you know, fairly recently, and it, it's, I think it's awesome because, you know, Oregon has been the uh, almost ground zero for some of these uh, Antifa riots and all that kind of stuff. You know, you got the Pacific Northwest, you know, Washington, Oregon has just been, uh, you know, ground zero for that shit, and they are definitely not gun-friendly states. And and it's like I've talked about before, whenever on a previous episode, when Virginia started passing all these gun sanctuary cities and counties, uh, you know, you could, even though the, the local police isn't going to arrest you, uh, you know, state police obviously still might come and arrest you, but they have to put them in those county jails. And if the county sheriff says, you know, we're not arresting anybody for, for gun crimes, for bullshit gun control, uh, you know, you know, they, they have to put them in the jail, but you know, they're just gonna have to let you go because the sheriff's not going to let you put them in, in, in the county jail. Uh, and then all of that, and this is going to be in the article that we uh, are going to publish today, but you had these liberals um, and, you know, with marijuana and with uh, illegal immigration kind of set the groundwork for uh, the gun community and gun advocacy to uh, basically nullify any gun control that comes either from uh, a state that does not represent that portion of it, uh, whether it be a county or a city or the federal government where, you know, marijuana is still illegal federally. But I think now after this last election, all 50 states have some sort of legal marijuana, whether it 
it be medical or uh, recreational, and then also illegal immigration. You know, when was the last time, uh, you know, California, you know, had probably a ginormous, you know, immigration sweep or you had uh, a sheriff or, uh, or a police officer arrest a person for a immigration crime uh, because they just don't simply uh, assist with that. So I think this is going to be something that is a game plan for politicians in gun-friendly states to use for nullifying federal gun control. I think you're absolutely right, but do not discount a Biden-supported uh, or ATF, right, an administration under Biden that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is going for because they will do everything that they can to supersede whatever you have on the books, you know, in regards to firearms. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is setting the ground for a lot of agencies to have problems, right, when you're talking about the local, you know, county versus state versus feds, you know, I mean, so it's not bad. I, I like it. I'm all about freedom, but holy smokes, don't count on it, folks. Don't be drilling any third holes anytime soon. Or at least definitely, definitely yeah. don't be doing that. You know, I wouldn't say go ahead and start drilling th third holes, but like, say, for example, if they start to um, pass, you know, laws to where you can't have anything more than 10 round magazines or you can't have quote unquote assault rifles, that's where you can say kind of, I think, fuck off with these gun sanctuary uh, states and counties where, you know, and, and you and you mentioned a Biden led ATF, um, you know, the ATF and I have uh, fucking and I don't I'm honestly saying this not only as just a, a gun lover, but as a law enforcement officer, I have unfortunately worked with the ATF and the ATF. Every agent that I've worked with the ATF is incompetent as fuck. They are lazy. They are just, you know, somebody that was probably wanted to be a federal officer, but was too retarded to work with the FBI. Um, you know, and they are actually probably, you know, maybe outside. Fuck, I'll even say the postal inspectors are a larger agency than the ATF, but they are one of the smallest federal law enforcement agencies out there. Hell, the U.S. Marshals, you know, which is still a very small federal agency. They, they're, you know, larger and get more money from the federal government than the ATF. So the ATF honestly only really works through task forces, which, you know, if you're familiar at all with, you know, how law enforcement works, that's how like the U.S. Marshals and the FBI really get out there and do stuff uh, is they work through task forces, which they deputize local law enforcement as a U.S. Marshal, as an FBI agent, as a ATF agent uh, and go out there and they can also enforce federal laws. Um, and if you have these states that says, hey, we're not fucking working with you anymore because we don't believe uh, the federal gun control that's been passed or been signed into executive order uh, and we're not going to enforce it here. So we're going to pull all of our law enforcement officers out of your task force and good luck you one person, one ATF agent that is, you know, assigned, uh, you know, a, a fourth or a court, you know, a fourth or a fifth or a third of the state, you know, you have to enforce that all by yourself. Good luck with that shit, you know, especially without any help from local law enforcement. So that's where I think uh, where you could really see kind of the kickback from the states and from the counties in regards to any federal gun control that be passed because you've seen it where I think it was Kansas. They consider themselves a sanctuary state and that one fucking guy bought a suppressor from a, a military surplus store and he was charged federally. Um, you know, like I said, you, at least until things start going more towards our favor politically, uh, you know, I would, like you said, try and start drilling any third holes. Uh, it would be more like if they tried to pass magazine limits, if they tried to pass universal background checks, ending private sales from person to person, uh, you know, quote unquote assault weapons bans. That's the kind of thing that I think we're going to see the real kickback in from these, you know, quote unquote sanctuary places. Right. But now keep in mind too, a lot of these sanctuary counties are in, in, in Oregon. Of course, we're talking about Oregon here. These are very gun loving, freedom loving counties in a very blue state. Yes. Right? It's, it's not just blue. I mean, it's diehard blue, right? So uh, that, that's an avenue 
to get around uh, some things like uh, the emergency risk protection orders, uh, you know, the, the red flag laws that are yep. you know, abused, uh, you know, without due process force. So yeah, this, this isn't a, uh, something that can be administered in all 50 states, but this is kind of a localized blue state, red county tool that, that might be very beneficial. Well, and I, you know, exactly like you said, uh, it's not going to work for like these two counties. Uh, if something like that happens, it's going to work for entire states like Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, yep. Missouri, you know, the, the deep red states, uh, you know, that's where you're really going to see it. Absolutely. So with that, before we start getting on into the next segment, let's go ahead and start talking about some gift guides. If you're looking for something uh, for that gun person in your life, uh, or if you got a gun buddy that you want to, you know, purchase a gift for normally, you know, uh, my best friend, he's been my best friend since fourth grade. Uh, we always just exchange a box of ammo every Christmas uh, for each other. You know, that's all. That's the, that's the gift we give each other. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about, first off, Ron, what is on your Christmas wish list? Uh, ammo. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, no. So, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm going to try to get a, an RMR for myself. Uh, really though, I'm not buying a lot of stuff for myself. You know, uh, my father just got his first Glock, so I'm going to get him some sights. I'm going to get him some holsters. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing for me. Uh, the wife, I, I've got some, uh, got a few little bitty things for like a Neo mag or, her, you know, uh, yeah. magazine. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I would recommend to you, if you haven't uh, got your significant other loved one, whatever, a flashlight, holy good Lord almighty flashlights are so wonderful. Uh, I carry around the stream light with me all the time. That's a good one. Sights, uh, like I said, are, are something that pretty easy. Although if you have a Springfield Armory SIG or Beretta, don't, don't try to do sights for yourself, man. Those replacing sights on those sucks. Don't even think about it. Okay. <laughs> Just stop. Uh, yeah, man. What about you? What do, what are you thinking? Uh, well, obviously ammo, like I said, I'm planning on, uh, maxing out, uh, any limits that I can get from, uh, Academy if they have that stuff in. Uh, I'm actually personally, I'm looking for, uh, I have a uh, Remington 1187. Uh, I'm planning on getting a um, a uh, foregrip with some rails on it so that way I can put a light on it because I have a, a Mossberg 590 that I really like and I have the uh, the Streamlight uh, foregrip that has the uh, light built in. It's actually an old one. It's not like an LED or anything like that. So it's a, like an old light sticking out of it. So I was wanting to put a light on it. Uh, I'm actually really looking at getting myself a new plate carrier uh, for personal and work use. Um, I have, I, I honestly can't even remember the brand, the brand that I have. It's so old. Um, just because, you know, anything, uh, law enforcement, they give you it's level two. So it only stops, uh, you know, handgun rounds. So, yeah. you know, a long time ago I purchased myself, um, and you know, fucking make fun of me all you want, but this is like back when, uh, it was first come out and it was the first, you know, kind of really affordable thing. I got me some AR 500 plates, uh, three plus, and, uh, I'm upgrading, uh, to level four ceramic plates. And I was like, you know what, if I'm upgrading the plates, I might as well go ahead and upgrade the carrier. And Shellback uh, Tactical has released a Banshee 3.0, uh, which has got the quick release uh, cummerbunds. Uh, it's kind of like the high speed gear internet, you know, high speed gear uh, quick release where you just pull up and then down and it releases. Um, and it's also laser cut Molly instead of Molly uh, Kondura webbing. So, uh, but it is like 450. Yeah. Whereas I can get a Banshee 2.0 Elite, uh, which d doesn't have those two things that I mentioned, uh, but it's basically the same thing for 289 I think is the cheapest I found. And actually, I got a 10% off coupon code to go with that, so it breaks down to about 250 Okay. Um, which is a good <laughs> a good price, you know? Yeah. Um, the only thing That's is, cool. I was really wanting the Ranger Green, uh, and all I could find is uh, either Coyote, Multicam, or Navy Blue for some fucking reason. I think it's black, but they, for some reason in their color, it's uh, Navy Blue. Um, so, But I found uh, one place uh, that has the Ranger Green, and uh, so that's what I'm really 
wanting for myself uh, is mainly the plate carrier, uh, just because um, it got a buddy of mine that's a wrapper, uh, some ceramic plates. Uh, he's going to hook me up with that. So I'm really just looking for a, the nice plate carrier uh, to go with it. So I'm just wondering if the 200 extra $20 is worth the 3.0 versus the 2.0. So if any of your listeners are thinking about this, you know, plate carriers and whatnot, hey, go for it. Do it. Absolutely. However, I am way more for practicality and application, right? Like I'm not going to be leaving my home anytime soon with a plate carrier. Unless, of course, I'm just like, you know, going to a class and I'm trying to work with a kid or something. It's very, very unlikely that I will be in kit in a life and death situation, right? More often than not, I'm going to be responding as as being ambushed, right? I'm, I'm defending myself because Mr. Bad Guy has the initiative and he's trying to kill me. The same guys, Shellback Tactical, have a Tactical Defender Active Shooter Nylon Kit. Yes. That's on the back. It's 80 bucks right now. Dude, that is, I think it's brilliant. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like EDC, you know, with something like that all the time. In fact, my place of, of work, I couldn't do that. But holy smokes, man, if you're in a place where you're like going to a mall every time or some some place that might be like a, uh, you know, a, a more of a high value target or, you know, say active shooters or bad guys or something like that, 80 bucks. That, 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 that's a brilliant little, you know, EDC sort of kit that, that may be way beneficial for you. That That's not a bad Christmas present at all. Absolutely. And my thing is too, I've been looking uh, for a good place because I'm, I'm trying, you know, my biggest thing is trying to organize stuff. Uh, just because I work, you know, six days a week, I'm on call damn near every day. Uh, you know, even when I'm not on call, if something big happens, they call me and I'm, I'm going. Uh, so I'm always constantly in my work truck. Uh, and, you know, it's unmarked F-150 is what I drive and I'm constantly in it. So I always keep my plate carrier. Uh, I have um, uh, a secure rifle and shotgun rack uh, overhead uh, lockable for anybody, you know, talk shit. So, uh, you, it's, you know, you got to have a key to open it or uh, I don't even have the electronic button because I just want to make sure if somebody breaks in, they just can't push a button. You got to have the key to open it. Uh, so I have that and, you know, I've been looking for a way because like right now, just my vest that I have, uh, I got the back of it, you know, against my back and the driver's seat and I got it flipped over the headrest. So if I need to put it on real quick, I just literally reach over and flip it over. Uh, but, you know, if I'm going to be getting uh, a, a good carrier, I'm looking for a good way to secure, you know, and also my helmet. I got a ballistic helmet and all that kind of shit as well. So uh, just trying to organize my life and and get you know get get more better bro bro go go and get you a you know pvs 14 since you got that team windy helmet let's go man you Come on. say that dude. <laughs> my my good buddy uh is selling his pvs 14 but he's trying to sell his whole kit with it i'm like dude i already got the helmet uh you know all i really need is the mount and the pvs 14s and uh he's got like a ton of shit on his helmet so like you know i'm like no i don't need that like he said you know oh i bought this and 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 it was like oh, fuck close to a grand more on the pvs 14s i'm like dude i don't need all that shit sell sell all that shit different and sell the pbs 14s to me or no they're actually not even 14s they're 17 so they're dual tubes so uh you know when he's told me that i was like hey man if you know you, you decide you want to sell this separately uh, give me a holler i don't know man resale value i mean wh what's the helmet you, you might be able to you know turn a profit or at least a little bit more you know hey, hey food for thought <laughs> yeah no shit right uh trust me i've thought about it man i have thought about <laughs> uh, it uh, on the night if you can man yeah if, if you've got money to spend dude why not night vision i mean come on oh. well you know and but it's like him and that's the reason why he's getting rid of it for two reasons. One, he's wanting to get PBS 14s uh, and he's actually kind of starting his own business and I'm kind of with him. I'd rather have the PS 14s be just because when I was in the army and that's all we trained with, that's all we used, you know, we weren't high speed enough to get uh, some dual tubes. So that's all I trained with. So that's what I'm just kind of used to. Kind of like you said, the CZ Scorpion, you know, if you're used to the AR platform and then you go to something else different, when it comes time to muscle memory, you're kind of fucked because that's what you're used to. And it's yeah. the same thing with me for the PBS 14s. I'm just used to using that one model. Yeah, hey man, there's something to be said. If it works, 
if it's efficient, do it. You know, if it's reliable, do it. Yeah. I, hey, 14s, man. I mean, that that's still a pretty price, you know, for uh, for your average civilian. But dude, it's great. It's really good. Yeah, I've seen um, Gen 3s, white phosphorus uh, for about $2,800. That's doable. That's, yeah. That's totally doable. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going on into some of the, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff has come to us from guns.com. Uh, you know, guns.com is a pretty good site uh, for stuff. And it's just got some, you know, uh, gift guides. So for the gun person in your life, you know, you can get them, uh, you know, obviously if you're not wanting to, you know, buy, you know, four or $500 gun, uh, you know, find out what, ma- you know, firearm they have, get them some extra magazines. Um, those are readily available right now. Holsters, yeah. you know, get them a, a good holster. Don't get them some Uncle Mike's nylon holster because, you know, that's a good stocking stuffer. Uh, get them a good quality holster, something like maybe Safari Land, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Training, training right now. You know, there's all kinds of different training that you can get uh, for firearms almost nationwide now. You know, before it was just like kind of gun sight and a couple other places, but now there's trainers everywhere. You know, buy them some training. Now that, uh, that's that's so undervalued, man. And I got to tell you, I, kn- I know your, your side hustle, you know, you're instructing too. I'm instructing as well, right? So all of my classes, full, 100% full. Like, you know, the next opening I have is in January. So yeah, that's underrated, man. I, I'm sure you're uh, looking at the same thing that the instruction is is booming right now. So if you're able to buy your loved one, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, class, do it while you can, because I don't see those classes slowing down anytime soon. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about hunting earlier. They have a hunting gift guide. Uh, they got the Primos trigger stick, uh, you know, any kind of uh, monopod or tripod that is easily uh, collapsible uh, that you can use for stock hunting. Uh, that's great stuff. Uh, good targets, good range targets. Um, those are great gifts for the gun person in your life. Uh, you got obviously uh, game calls that you can get. Uh, you know, what, what would you recommend? Uh, say, for example, a uh, non-gun person uh, get the gun lover in their life. Something good, something easy that you can easily get. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Mantis X. I really am. Uh, yes. My local gun shop, uh, Whistling Pines here in Colorado Springs, they just announced, or I say announced, they told me. I'm not sure if it's public yet, uh, but their their doorbuster for Black Friday is going to be the Mantis X 10 for 200 bucks. It's a good deal, man. Dude, that's a great deal. Now, don't don't, don't get me wrong. Like, if you're, you're not a gun person and you're saying, wow, 200 bucks? Yeah, it's so worth it. And the, the model that's a little bit cheaper, the uh, Mantis X 3, I think they're, it's going to be, you know, sub $200 for their doorbuster. So that's definitely something to, to consider. Man, that, that's an excellent training tool. It's so good. And and it's easily easy to find right now. Uh, and if you're looking at Amazon, if you're like, ooh, Amazon Prime, let's see if it's uh, any cheaper. It's not. I think uh, Amazon Prime right now has a Mantis X 10 for $250. So you know, locally here, we're saving $50 on that one. Um, that That's a really good one. The Dry Fire Mag is another one. Now, the Dry Fire Mag, problem is it's, it's gun specific, where the Mantis X, you can practically throw it on anything. I can throw it on a rifle. I can throw it on any handgun. It's awesome. You can even throw it on a bow. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that's a good idea too. My dad just got him a really nice fancy bow, so I might be yeah. able to pick one up for him. Uh, but yeah, if, if you're looking for something a little less expensive, the Dry Fire Mag is really wonderful, but you have to have the correct hype for the correct gun, and it's not supported. You know, maybe maybe a quarter of the handguns on the market right now could take a Dry Fire Mag, so it's very limited. But that is, I think, sub $100 right now on Amazon Prime. Look for those, uh, you know, online, say at Palmetto State Armory or Primary Arms or somewhere, you know, at a, a little bit lower price. That's that's always good. Those two things, man. Oh, you know what? Stocking stuffer. If if you're if you're looking for something under fifty bucks to throw the the person that's a, a gun lover in your life, the Magalulas to help yes. you load mags. Those are wonderful, man. Those are really really and easy you, to use. You can normally get those, I think, from uh, Classic Firearms. 
arms for like, I think about 20 bucks as they have them on sale. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 bucks, man. And it saves your fingers, especially if you're loading a lot of mags. Yeah, those are those are great presents. They really are. Absolutely. I definitely 100% agree with the Man X. We've had them on the podcast. Uh, they sent out the uh, Blackbeard, uh, the new uh, AR dry firing uh, tool to me to review and all that good stuff. Definitely, you know, it, I've said this before. If you want to call me a shill about anything, I'm a shill about Manus X, uh, Magpul, and uh, oh, that real Avid. Fucking, I love those three brands to the max. So I'm right there uh, with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we start getting into the product uh, gear kind of news and reviews, even though we've kind of already been talking about it, let's go ahead and talk about our sponsor, ColdWorkConcealment.com. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out Cliff at Colwork Concealment. Uh, he is actually uh, doing a holster for me that is a present uh, to my uh, law enforcement chief officer. Uh, he is, you know, gonna do a level two holster. Uh, is a spring loaded hood over it, uh, and it's gonna be screen printed uh, with the badge and his name on it. So I'm looking forward to getting that from Cliff. And he's also expanding his line to Kydex wallets. That's a great stocking stuffer. Uh, his uh, cost on him is twenty five dollars. So if you're looking for a uh, cool little uh, something for them, uh, for your, the gun lover in your life, get him a Kydex wallet or get him a holster. Uh, he has most, damn near all, most, I'm going to say most, of the major firearms available to uh, have holsters made. He just is now making uh, the Springfield Hellcat holsters. Uh, and it's good, good Kydex, good price. Uh, it's not going to break the bank. And uh, like I said, it is good. It, they use uh, the discrete concept carry clips. Uh, so you're not dealing with the bullshit foamy clips, all that good yes. stuff. So check out Cliff at CoworkConcealment.com. Uh, I hope you got in on our the Veterans Day sale that he gave us the coupon code for. Unfortunately, that has passed. So uh, go ahead and check out Cliff at CoworkConcealment.com. Hey, I, I got to give uh, them a, another shout out. So Cold War Concealment, like I'm, I'm not affiliated. I don't know much about Cliff uh, except from listening to you. But I got to tell you, one of the things I see on his website right now that would be a wonderful gift, uh, he's got in their safety first aid section, the North American Rescue Tourniquet yes. MFAC Mini. 77 bucks. I mean, holy smokes. You want to save somebody's life? If this this is it. Man. Having a tourniquet, having combat gauze, having something that will stop the bleed. You want to save a life? That's the tools that you need. And that's that's a wonderful gift. I mean, you throw that in your truck, throw, you know, carry it in a, a purse or something, man. That's oh, it's so wonderful. So yeah, yeah, that, that's another thing on Cliff's website there, coldworkconcealment.com, the uh, the North American Rescue Tourniquet MFAC mini first aid kit. Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start getting into the product gear news and reviews before we get going uh ron have you bought anything new that you like that you want to talk about uh, dude, I got a Gen 5 MOS 19, Glock 19. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, man, I, I'm really digging what Glock has been doing recently. I mean, it's nothing cutting edge, but having front serrations, I had one of the first Gen 5s that came out and it had the weird little cutout on the magwell. Hated it. And this one doesn't. It works and it works well. And on the Manus X, I'm consistently in the 90s, you know, mid to high 90s dry fire practice. So yeah, yeah, it's good. If you can find it, <laughs> if, you can find yeah. it if you can find a handgun right now, that's, that's not a piece of junk. <laughs> 
mean, that, that's just pretty cool. I, I'm in, I'm digging that. That's probably going to be my my competition IDPA gun next year. Yeah, I'm I'm digging that. How about you, man? Uh, I have recently got the Swamp Fox uh, Patriot scope for my Ruger Precision Rimfire, and uh, I have uh, been you know I've been taking it with me to work because usually sometimes I get some downtime, uh, and I work in uh, kind of a rural area. There's rural areas to where I work, and I always I can easily kind of slip away into some of the rural areas uh, and you know pop off some rounds, especially you know like 50 yards in. I uh, got a good backstop and and all that good stuff. But I'm telling you, with um, hunting starting, all my little hidey holes are kind of normally gun hunting spots for people. So I like you know I'll be like pulling in and I'll say like oh shit, there's somebody right there getting the deer stand ready, or there's somebody there getting the greenfield ready, or now here in uh, Alabama you can hunt over corn as long as you have a permit. So you know they're they're setting out corn or whatever. So uh, I'm just like oh yeah you know we'll see you later. And so I really had a chance to take it out. But well uh, today uh, after I got off work you know I, I said I ran an errand. That was my errand. I took it to my range and I finally put some rounds through it. Got it sighted in uh, and I, I love it. It's great glass. Um, you know the you know I am very very new to uh, kind of shooting with an optic. Like you said, I'm, I'm I've been using LPVO, uh, but once you start really getting into kind of the precision shooting of it with rifles and long guns, uh, I'm so novice. I, I just am you know all I'm good for. And honestly, for my deer hunting, what I mainly use is either a uh, lever action 3030 or a 300 blackout and uh, AR15 and it's all iron sights. I you know in Alabama you don't even really see past 75 80 yards, you know. There's just too it's too uh, you know dense in, in trees. So uh I'm just now starting to get into a little bit. I I got myself the Rug and Precision Rimfire I talked about before because I kind of want to kind of train myself in, you know, learning uh, you know, uh adjustments to the optic and all that kind of stuff. And I went with Swamp Fox because what I really liked about Swamp Fox uh, is that all of their reticles uh, are the same for all of their stuff, whether it be Mill Dot or MOA. Uh, and that's what I was, you know, been looking for when I've been dealing with different uh, brands is that almost every model has their own different reticle. But with Swamp Fox, I noticed that if I wanted uh, this optic that's like four by 16, it's going to be the same reticle as if I wanted to get, uh, you know, like 12 by whatever the fuck, you know, magnification. Uh, so that's why I kind of wanted to get something uh you know the patriot is kind of like the the more economic model scope from swamp fox yeah second uh, but, focal plane right uh yes no first first i'm sorry first focal plane it is first wow yes yes so uh i end up i think paying 254 uh from them and uh it, it's pretty good like i said it's really i really enjoyed taking it out there today got it dialed in uh like i said got a lot of learning myself to do when it comes to uh you know adjustments for the optics i got it sighted in right now for 50 yards uh you know 22 you're not really gonna shoot a whole lot more past that but you know that way i can kind of start looking into things like if it's windy because it's only a 22 long rifle wind can start affecting it at around 50 yards so well dude that, that's really first focal plane really uh yeah i'm pretty damn sure yeah okay uh, so the reticle the reticle adjusts uh, gets bigger when you uh, increase the magnification it's first focal plane that that's impressive man generally uh you know for first focal planes the the price on those is going to be a little more steep especially with that particular style of magnification so well and and i got the law enforcement discount i think it might have been closer to 280 but uh still yeah yeah so i was really really happy with it uh, oh, and like i said you know i'm gonna get uh the you know the higher end optics once i get my uh probably gonna go with the 6.5 creed more uh when i go with the larger caliber gun but that's why i went with them is because all the reticles stay the same across uh the different stuff different models you know i, I don't have any experience with swamp fox i've you know only heard from like you and a few other guys you know uh you know, their experience with them and 
I, I haven't heard anything bad at all. So, you know, just getting into, uh, you know, optics and whatnot, that, that's a really, really viable option. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to, to really do some, like, precision rifle competitions, I may recommend something else. But holy smokes, they don't have a single precision rifle scope, you know, over a thousand bucks. So, I mean, if you're if you're really trying to get into a, a lot of those PRS, you know, matches and stuff, I mean, those dudes are spending more on the optic than they are on the gun. So, yeah, and I'm not, cool. yeah, and I'm not really trying to get into uh, when like national, you know, right, right. But still, uh, I mean, just just just, yeah. just out of the gate, just getting into that, that first step into it, man, that's that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, looking at it right now, the uh, it's the Patriot first focal plane precision rifle scope. Uh, start MSRP is three sixty nine, and with that three sixty nine, you actually get a, a sunshade, uh, and you get uh, uh, like uh, the cloth cover to put over it, and then you got the actual uh, uh, scope. Uh, telescopic end caps so you flip up flip ups uh in caps so, so how, how's the eye relief like uh do you really have to crowd into it to get a good picture or are, are you able to back off a little bit now you could the eye relief is is okay uh it's definitely better than a lot of optics because you know uh I, you know i got a lot of cheap optics just that i normally put on like shit guns like handguns or not handguns but uh rifles uh that sure. i go hunting with just because like i said out here you really don't need anything past 50 to 75 yards uh to shoot so uh you know when it compared to like a, I got a Barska, uh, a, a decent Barska. I got a, a Nikon, a decent Nikon as well. Uh, those were like kind of my decent scopes that I had up to this point, uh, just because like I said, I've really not ever got into it. And eye relief is actually way better. And it is, like I said, it's very clear glass. Um, you know, the the glass is uh, as good or better than the Nikon I had. I had a, a Nikon 223 BDC that I uh, had put on my 300 Blackout uh, at one point in time because it was rated for 223 and 300 Blackout for the different BDC drops um so you know it's it's the eye relief is pretty good there is definitely a sweet spot to it uh where you get the most eye relief uh it, but it's very easy to find out and it was uh very natural to uh your you know the the shoulder rest or the cheek rest so uh it, it's a pretty good product yeah i'm kicking myself now for not having gone to that i got a very inexpensive vortex uh the crossfire 2 for my ruger m77 and 30-06 and i gotta tell you man that is my least favorite optic i've ever had in my life mainly because of the eye relief it's not intuitive. It's you really have to crowd it, and if your load is really hot, you stand a very good chance of looking like a pirate at the end of the day. So, kind of wishing I would have gone with Swamp Falls. Yeah, I would say um, if I had to like guess, you know, I was out there uh, and I was just out there for like 30, 40 minutes. Um, you know, it was probably a good three or four inches back uh, from the actual scope itself, uh, where the that nice sweet spot was. So you're plenty, plenty enough far behind that you don't have to worry about getting scope eye. Um, and it was enough that if you were a little bit further back or a little bit forward, uh, you still had pretty good eye relief. Uh, you could notice there's a little bit of difference in that sweet spot, but you, you could still see it well enough that you didn't have to, uh, you know, like, all right, I need to go forward to, to get to the sweet spot because of the eye relief. So it, it's a really good scope. Like I said, uh, 369 and plus came with, like I said, the sunshade, uh, flip up scope covers, uh, you know, and it's got plenty of good features. Uh, it was good. It, you know, it's a good scope. I'm, I'm very looking forward to, uh, when I actually get some time to hit the range, uh, to go out there and, and really start getting tighter groups with that uh, Ruger Precision Rimfire. Heck yeah, man. I'm jealous of you, especially when Rimfire. Uh, I got to shoot one of those uh, you know, Ruger PRS you know, Rimfire just after it came out and it was stupid fun. Holy God. I yes. Was, oh, yes. man. It was so fun. Well, and it was even better because the, the dude that brought it out had a little Silencer Co. Cero suppressor on it too. So, That's I mean, I do. there's a little, little mouse farts and yeah. it was hilariously accurate. I loved it. Yeah, and uh, I'm planning on getting a suppressor for it that uh, you know, something I'm going to be able to use for it and also uh, like my G44 and uh, my Smith & Wesson MP 
uh, 22 compact because I just figured my kids are, will love a suppressor. So I want to get something that's good for all of it. Oh, heck yeah. Speaking of suppressors, uh, going into kind of the, the news there, uh, product news, uh, the uh, Thunder Beast Arms Corporation, or TBAC for short, has released a new Gen 2 Ultra Series suppressors. Uh, like I said, I've really been kind of wanting to get into suppressors. Uh, so I've been really doing a lot of research. So this article kind of uh, interested me a little bit. Uh, they have uh, make a uh, around a 10 and a half to 11 inch suppressors for 338 Lapua uh, rifles. Uh, so uh, it's pretty interesting. I'd definitely go check them out if you're into the market for especially rifle caliber pistols. Uh, they got it into like 30 caliber to 6.5 caliber uh, suppressors. Uh, and the noise reduction on them is, is pretty sweet. Um, you're looking around anywhere between the low 140s to the mid 140s uh, decibel range for their suppressors. Wow. I mean, that's that's a lot, of, especially off a 338 Lapua. I mean, you said the length of the cam was what 10 to 11 something yeah. like that inches yeah i mean that's a lot of can and <laughs> honestly for a magnum cartridge like that you probably need a little bit more so it's impressive that they're able to get that desperating down further uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call that hearing safe but i guarantee you uh, it's a lot more pleasant to shoot especially on the felt recoil yes. the felt recoil is going to go way down and so if you're shooting a magnum cartridge with that that's going to be really really pleasant absolutely next story comes to us from Emiland. Uh, springfield army introduces the ronin 1911 pistol in 10 millimeter uh, you know, it's kind of been talked in agnosium and a lot of people have said it. I just thought it was interesting that Springfield Army introduced it, uh, a 10 millimeter in the Ronin 1911. And MSRP on it's not too bad, 850. Um, you know, it's eight plus one uh, for it. So, uh, you know, I'm not a humongous fan of the 10 millimeter, 10 millimeter cartridge. Uh, it definitely has its fanboys out there. And then not only that, if you're a 10 millimeter fanboy and a 19 mil, uh, 1911 fanboy, uh, you're creaming your pants looking at this. It's a sexy it, gun. Yeah, and it's going to be inexpensive compared to a lot of other offerings. Yeah. Uh, you know, out there. So, uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm not a fan of Springfield Armory per se, uh, especially with uh, a few of the, the quality control issues that I've seen. On the other hand, I mean, this is probably going to be a sub thousand dollar gun or maybe just a little bit over on the MSRP. So, heck, why not? Especially if you like 10 mil. And by the way, 10 mil, for whatever reason, I'm still seeing it on the shelf more so than I am any of the other pistol uh, calibers out there. So, yeah, if I'm going, uh, you know, backpacking in Alaska next uh, summer, you know, hey, that might be a gun to take with me. Yeah, absolutely. And our last article comes to us from the Firearms blog, and title is a New Surefire SOCOM 408 ELR Suppressor for Extreme Long Range Rifles. Now, this is interesting as shit to me because uh, it is compatible for some of these kind of wildcat calibers you're seeing out there, the 408 shy tac 375 shy tac and the 375 Enabler. Uh, it is uh, a suppressor for a, the extreme long range shooters, you know, and those people that are trying to kind of set records and shit like that, you know, reaching over two miles, uh, you know, it is interesting, but to me, the MSRP, uh, but, you know, honestly, if you're shooting that kind of shit anyway, you're already looking at spending this kind of money. MSRP, you're looking at almost a cool $1,800. Uh, so you're looking at two grand uh, with the tax stamp for a suppressor. So my suspicion is the guy that's behind or one of the founders of Surefire, uh, John Matthews, he's the dude that really spurred this and got it rolling. Uh, Recoil Magazine did an article on him a couple of years ago and I mean it's just every gun lover's dream the guy has a, a, a range a firing range in, in his downstairs basement yeah where he you know test fires all this stuff I, rem I remember the article I love recoil by the way oh my yeah oh dude absolutely and that, that was an amazing article so yeah, yeah I, this this sort of thing I mean yeah it's it's very niche right I mean I don't know a lot of people that are like uh, yeah I really want to shoot a 416 you know suppressed uh, and I say 416 like everybody's like what HK 416 <laughs> no like the, the cartridge homie uh, but 
<laughs> yeah. I, oh man, if I had money to throw around, I'd be buying one. I, honestly, I'll be surprised if they sell fifty of these because it's such oh, a no. niche oh, market. Oh no, no, it, wait, it is a niche market, but I mean, it's it's a market that has really, really come alive within the past five, ten years. I've got friends now uh, in Arkansas that I knew growing up who are into precision rifle shooting. I never thought they would be, and, and they're now they're these kind of wildcat calibers, though. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, no, don't get me wrong. It's not like you know thousands and thousands of people, but I, I'll be surprised if they don't sell you know five to ten thousand worth in you know in the next couple of years. And, and at that price point, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be you know turning a profit. So it makes sense, even though it's very niche. Yeah, and and you know, like I said, even though it, for you know me who's just getting into PRS, uh, you know, two grand for a suppressor is ridiculous. Uh, you know, especially, but when you're spending that much, you know, fuck, how much do you think they probably spend on uh, their rifles? You know, now the other side of the five point, to ten grand. In, oh yeah. Plus oh, the optics. Oh, d- uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, they they got the uh, the Klecknerized rifles. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I mean, consider this too. Surefire's main uh, target audience is not really the PRS guy. A lot of the Surefire dudes or, or the people that are buying Surefire are either government contractors, right? Or, you know, they're trying, uh, Surefire's trying to warm up to get a contract. So, yeah, this may this may have more application into some crazy DMR necessity that, you know, some Ranger Battalion has. I don't know. It hey, could very well be. Very well could be. I didn't think about that, to be honest with you. So, yeah. Way too deep on my mama, I need power Babies on the street, coming hits like every hour If you want some beef, yeah, baby ain't a coward You better stand clear, only a life of some depressed I'm the man in the mirror, I'm here for long, I claim my residence I'm the man in the mirror, my numbers growing ain't in evidence I'm the man in the mirror, I'm finally glad I set some precedent I'm the man in the mirror, please chill out, baby got all the labor Alright, let's go ahead and start getting into the gun culture segment. Now, uh, Ron, this is actually a movie that I just discovered myself uh, recently. And have oh, you no. ever seen uh, Mile 22? No. Holy shit, you need to go look at this. Mile 22? It, it has uh, Mark Wahlberg in it, and it has Ronda Rousey. Wait, what? Yes. Uh, she, the, basically, uh, the premise is uh, Mark Wahlberg and Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. Uh, and then, oh gosh, uh, there's one more chick in there. Uh, the uh, Glenn's wife from um, the Walking Dead. You know what I'm talking about. The country Lauren, girl. Lauren uh, Cohan? Cohan? Your guess is good. I just call her Glenn's wife from The Walking Dead. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she's in there as well. But um, the premise of the movie is they are a part of a CIA tag team uh, that deals in extreme, extreme, um, like dark, secret squirrel, top, you know, crazy missions. And, you know, in the actual movie that sells, like whenever they go on one of these missions, they submit their resignation letters to the CIA. So if they're ever captured or killed that the CIA has full deniability. So uh, what it is, is they're in Indonesia and an Indonesian uh, special forces soldier uh, has a uh, device that is got like crazy top secret information that could tear down the Indonesian government and how they're supporting, you know, terrorists and all kinds of crazy shit. And uh, they have to, he said, you can have it as long as you get me to the U.S. And I'm the only one that has the code to get into it. So, you know, get me to the U.S. So they have to take him 22 miles from the CIA station uh, and you know the embassy to a like off the site airfield that's going to take him to the U.S. Oh, well, goodness, okay, it, it is a lot of cool ass gunplay in there, and there is a lot of cool guns in there, and it's on Netflix. So uh, if you have you know Netflix, you can go watch it tonight. So if you 
have Netflix, Ron, go check it out. I, I like I said, I done. I, I think I remember seeing it uh, back in the you know the commercials for it back in the day, but I never really watched it. And it was one of those things that like, oh cool, that that looks cool. Uh, when it comes out, I'm gonna watch it. And it came out in 2018, so it's not too far away. But like I said, there's lots of cool guns in there. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing one of the. Uh, I mean, they got a Daniel Defense in there. Yeah. Uh, Glocks. Uh, I mean, tr- tricked out rifles. Was that a D ball on top? Was, yeah, there looks like some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, uh, Browning M2s, uh, FN M249 Paratrooper M249, just regular 249, uh, HK MP, you know, MP5s galore. You have some umps. You have the HK MP7. Uh, you have a CZ Scorpion Evo. Ooh. Oh, okay. Hold up. Is this the, uh, the five selector Scorpion? I, honestly, I can't remember. Uh, let's see. Let's click on it. And uh, of course, we're using IMFDB as our uh, source. Uh, it is the uh, the Evo 3A1. So okay, yeah, yeah. Th- I think the A1 was uh, the the true military, yep. you know, full five selector position variant. That yep. would be cool to, to watch. I'm telling you. And there was some uh, scenes in there. I was watching it with uh, my girlfriend's son, and there's like one scene on there where uh, one of the guys breaks a, a, a car window, takes a bad guy's head, and like just throws his chin on the broken glass and moves it back and forth like a saw. And I just started, <laughs> I'm screaming like, oh shit, did you see that? Oh fuck, did you see that? And, and the nine year old just looking at me like, yeah, I saw it. They call me cop. They said, yeah, I saw it, cop. <laughs> My kid's going to have nightmares now. And oh no, man. Her, her kids are, are little badasses. So they're used to this kind of shit. I love it. Oh, oh man. Yeah, go ahead and check out Mile 22. I promise you, if you're looking for a good action movie uh, to get you ready for Die Hard, uh, being the, it is the Christmas season upon us, uh, this is a good one to check out. Uh, like I said, Mark Wahlberg, Ronda Rousey, uh, very good movie. I mean, you, you had to throw it out there, you know, and not say Die Hard because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, man. Damn right it is. Well, Ron, I greatly appreciate you being on the show, man. It has been a long time since you and I have actually talked. We've always, like, you know, we're always on message and text, uh, but damn, it was good talking to you, man, this long. Good Lord, Nick. Such a freaking honor. Not only a pleasure, but an honor, Mr. 2A Lifestyle. Thank you so much for having me. And go ahead and check out Ron uh, and check out Save the Second, man. Get a, Be a part of it and, uh, you know, be a part of Change the NRA for the good. Yeah, certainly appreciate your help, man. Thank you. Thank you all. Take it easy, Ron. Have a good, I'm, I'm going to talk to you between now and then, but uh, go ahead and have a good Thanksgiving and have a good Thanksgiving to everyone else out there. You too, man. I hope it's all blessed and everybody's healthy and happy and ha- you know, life is good. Yeah, weird uh, conclusion to 2020, but hey, man, this is uh, definitely uh, something to be thankful for. Good friends, good firearms, good food, all the good stuff. Thank you so much, Nick. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. See you. I want to greatly appreciate Ron for coming on to the podcast. That was an amazing episode. I really enjoy talking to my good bud, Ron. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well and enjoyed listening to his perspective on things that are going on in the gun community. So if you haven't already, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. Go ahead and check out our uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MeWe, Parlor, all under number 2A Lifestyle. Uh, except for Instagram, we are two spell up T W O A lifestyle. Go ahead and check us out there. Go ahead and follow us. Also, we are 
on Patreon. It is the best way for you guys to support the podcast and help us become better. Uh, you know, that is the way we uh, get better is through better equipment, better, uh, you know, just shit that costs money, basically. So, and, and like I said, anything you guys give us on Patreon goes directly into this podcast. It doesn't go into my pocket at all. Uh, it honestly, it's, it's built up there until we're time to, to pay for some shit. So, I greatly appreciate you helping out on Patreon. Also, uh, if you haven't already, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast is the best way to keep up to date whenever new shit drops on the podcast and also leave us a review It is the best way for other people to find gun related content whenever they're looking in their podcast platform and lastly go ahead and check out our soul uh, website not our social media I already said that go ahead and check out our website to a lifestyle.com uh, we have some good shit on there we got a little bit of a swag store also go ahead and uh, check out our articles that we write it is a good interesting a little bit more in-depth perspective on stuff uh, that we discuss. If you can't wait until uh, the next podcast, uh, it's something that we update fairly regularly. So with that, I hope you guys have a great and fucking awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, Be safe out there. I hope you have a good time uh, spending with family and really showing what you're thankful for. Uh, And with that, I will see you guys in two weeks and keep on enjoying the 2A lifestyle. Hey, it's a holiday. I got holes on Control, yo, ay, this another way All my niggas on go and I hope that you know it I can't even close my eyes And I don't know why, guess I don't like surprises I can't even stay